السلام عليكم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فمن يعمل من الصالحات وهو مؤمن فلا كفران لسعيه وإنا له كاتبون وحرام على قرية أهلكناها أنهم لا يرجعون حتى إذا فتحت يأجوج ومأجوج وهم ينسلون واقترب الوعد الحق فإذا هي شاخصة أبصار الذين كفروا يا ويلنا قد كنا في غفلة من هذا بل كنا إنكم وما تعبدون من دون الله حصب جهنم أنتم لها واردون لو كان وكل فيها خالدون لهم فيها زفير وهم فيها لا يسمعون إن الذين سبقت لهم من الحسنى لا يسمعون حسيسها وهم فيما اشتهت أنفسهم خالدون لا يحزنهم الفزع الأكبر وتتلقاهم الملائكة هذا يومكم الذي كنتم توعدون يوم نطوي السماء كطي السجل للكتب كما بدأنا أول خلق نعيده وعدا علينا إن ولقد كتبنا في الزبور من بعد الذكر أن الأرض يرثها عبادي الصالحون إن 
فِي هَذَا لَبَلَاغًا لِقَوْمٍ عَابِدِينَ وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ قُلْ إِنَّمَا يُوحَى إِلَيَّ أَنَّمَا إِلَهُكُمْ إِلَهٌ وَاحِدٌ فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ فَإِنْ فقل آذنتكم على سواء وإن أدري أقريب أم بعيد ما توعدون إنه يعلم الجهر من القول ويعلم ما تكتمون وَإِنْ أَدْرِي لَعَلَّهُ فِتْنَةٌ لَكُمْ وَمَتَاعٌ إِلَى حِينٌ قَالَ رَبِّ احْكُمْ بِالْحَقِّ وَرَبُّنَا الرَّحْمَنُ الْمُسْتَعَانُ عَلَى مَا تَصِفُونَ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ Zakumullah khairan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward Qari Mulana Zakaria and his family and his parents and teachers for their beautiful recitation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the reality of his kalam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill our hearts with the nur of Quran, with the nur of Irfan, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma ameen. The key ayah from, we can take away from this passage pertaining to the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is of course, I'm sure those who are paying attention realized that he recited the ayah وَمَا أَرْسَلَّاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ that we have not sent you O Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but as a mercy for all the worlds subhanallah as a mercy للعالمين for all the worlds and in this day and age many times we are concerned about Islamophobia and we say that people are portraying us in a negative light they're saying they're misrepresenting Islam they're misportraying our deen. They are attacking our honor. They are presenting us as that which we are not. But what is more important and we should have more concern about is how they are misportraying our Allah. Na'udhu Billah. In saying that Allah, our Allah is Na'udhu Billah, that which we do not want to ascribe unto Him. And moving beyond that, what they are ascribing to our beloved Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Our Allah is the Allah, the God of mercy. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. We begin by speaking about His Rahma, and our Nabi also is a Rahma, Rahmatul Lil Alamin. So we should, instead of worrying about what others think about us, if we are concerned about making sure that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, His introduction is done in the creation, and people realize who our Allah is, and introduce Rasulullah Sallallahu and His Rahma that he was a source of mercy for all that which is in existence. Rahmatan lil alameen. And what is alam? The definition of alam is kullu ma siwa Allah. 
Every single thing in existence besides Allah is the alam. So he is the rahmah for the alam. Meaning he is the rahmah for everything in existence besides Allah. We cannot say that Muhammad is the rahmah for Allah. He does not need anyone's rahmah. But besides Allah, every single thing in existence are, are receiving rahmah from Rasulullah through Rasulullah. Receiving rahmah from Allah through Rasulullah. He's the source of rahmah for the alameen. And this source of rahmah, his honor is being attacked. And he's being misportrayed as all sorts of negative things, which is difficult to bring upon the tongue. So if we stand up for the honor of Allah and the honor of Rasulullah then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely protect our honor. Inshallah, moving forward, uh, Mufti Adimuddin Ahmad, who needs no introduction, the Imam here, director of the program and the seminary, Inshallah, he will be uh, giving us some welcoming remarks and highlighting the purpose of this Sira program. Why are we all here? So we can all focus and have the correct intention. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa sirli amri wa halu al-aqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli amma ba'd. Qala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qul in kuntum tuhibbuna Allah fatabi'uni yuhibbukum Allah wa yaghfir lakum dhunubakum Allahu ghafoor ar-Rahim. Sadaq Allahu al-Azim. Respected elders and brothers, mothers and sisters, dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, it's an honor for me to be here. It's an honor for all of us to be chosen to be sitting in a gathering in which the f- prime focus of this gathering is to speak about the deen of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa And this is why we, you and I have traveled uh, locally or from far to come be part of a gathering in which Nabi alayhi life is going to be highlighted. His attributes, his qualities is going to be highlighted. And we're going to learn on how we can build our lives based on what is being shared today, tonight, and tomorrow in this gathering. This, years ago, uh, there was a, 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 winter intense, a winter retreat. We kept a short winter retreat. And uh, instead of, you know, we have the summer main retreat, so let's have a short winter retreat. And subhanAllah, after the one event we had, we said, why don't we dedicate this winter retreat specifically to the seat of the Prophet ﷺ. No matter which year it is, we're going to focus on the life of Rasulullah ﷺ. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, there is a big, uh, great example for you in the life of Rasulullah ﷺ. So in the life of Rasulullah if there's an example, that no matter how many times we study it, no matter how many times we read it, no matter how many different authors write about his life, there will always be a new take. There will always be a fresh perspective. There will always be like a tafsir. No matter how many tafsirs are written, there's no end. There's always something new that is shared. That's some, a new insight, a new application of a, of a ageless verse of the Quran. So similarly, the seed of the Prophet is the guide, guide for all of us, no matter what the situation may be. It's there. It's all present. We just have to simply look for it. And many times we look at places where the answers are not present and we don't look at where it is present. And so we get lost, although we do have the solution right in front of us. So by studying the seed of the Prophet ﷺ every single year, hopefully this will create within all of us a refreshed, rejuvenated view of the life of Rasulullah ﷺ, which we can then take back home and implement at a personal level and even beyond that, at a community level. So every year we have different themes. 
This year, it's called Brick by Brick. How the Prophet ﷺ laid the foundation of a successful ummah. And Nabi ﷺ, he himself actually laid bricks of the masjid. He actually laid bricks of the, of the, of the, uh, of the place of ibadah. But it is not just the physical, physical laying of the bricks, but it's the much more effort that goes beyond the construction of a masjid or the construction of a school or the construction of a community center. It is actually the entire effort, a holistic effort of building an entire prosperous, a prosperous Muslim community. Yes, definitely the masjid is a center. Yes, the ilm and the amal and the practice and the knowledge is a center. But there's so many aspects of a thriving Muslim community. And the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Madinah al-Munawwara and established that as an example. And that is something we should all aspire to be a part of. That is something we should all aspire to be establishing and enjoying its benefits. So Alhamdulillah, we are in a phase in this country and beyond of having our masjids built, mashallah, we had the small prayer halls and then we moved into larger ones and we have purpose-built masjids all across the country. Amazing. In states which I didn't even know would have a single masjid, you know, that's purposely built, beautiful. I've seen, you know, multiple, multiple masjids within one city of that state. So alhamdulillah, we're moving forward in that direction. Islamic schools have, are being established and, it's, and seminaries are being established. So these are all very important components of a actual community and so this year's retreat is focusing on the various dimensions of the Madani community and the goal is how we can actually implement it right over here how we can take the steps that we already have you know taken in building the masjid in seminary and different programs not take it to the next level that we have a thriving inshallah Muslim community that becomes a true representative inshallah of Rasulullah's Medina Munawwara and that it will become uh, an inspiration for communities across the globe. To say if you want a successful environment, you want a successful community, you want a successful environment for business, an environment for ch raising children, an environment for physical health, an environment for emotional, mental health. Well, here you go. You have the environment of Madinah al-Munawwara during the time of the Prophet ﷺ that is now being recreated. So it's not like it's not being done elsewhere or it's not being... Alhamdulillah, everyone's trying. So this is our turn as a community to try. It's our turn as our community to strive for and to say, let's at least try to visit Rasulullah's life in Madinah al-Munawwara and see how he went about doing what he did. For example, you have the first talk today, Mawlana Uthman is going to be speaking about the pivotal role of the masjid. So the first thing Rasulullah does on arrival is building the masjid. Without the masjid, nothing's going to happen. The clubhouse won't do the job, right? All other things won't do it. Gathering for Sunday, gathering for this, it's not going to work. There has to be a central place of ibadah that becomes the first brick upon which the entire community is built upon. Then you go to the next topic tonight is going to be on Mufti Minhaj speaking about prophetic community, forging unparalleled bonds of unity. Very quickly Rasulullah made sure the, the Aws and the Khazraj, the Ansar and the Muhajireen, brotherhood is being established. You cannot build a community if you have, you're fragmented. You cannot build a community if you are divided on the basis of national, nationality, ethnicity, language. This destroys us. This is very destructive when we start focusing on where we are from, what language to speak, and things of that sort. And so that's, we're going to look into that. Tomorrow, 
after, you know, we're going to be discussing the madrasa of Ahlul Sufa. Mona Ahsan is going to be speaking about is the, the, the pedagogy of Rasulullah's teaching. How was, what was the, what was the environment of Madrasa Sufa, the first university of the Muslim world? Right? What type of graduates? What type of teachers? What was the work ethic there? Right? What was the emphasis? Was it all academics? Was it all spirituality? What was going on in there? We're going to learn about that. Then we're going to have Mona Hamza Mahtar from St. Louis is going to be speaking about community consciousness, balancing the personal and the collective. So we have to focus on our personal lives. But at the same time, every single one of us has to be conscious of the needs of everyone else. So we are all individual bricks, but these bricks put together build a very beautiful wall and eventually a very big, beautiful building. So we cannot be self-centered and we cannot just be centered on the community needs without focusing on our own spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical needs. Both of them go hand in hand. Then after that we have Sheikh Mulana Shoaib Wardak inshallah from Toronto will be joining us tomorrow. Global vision. Training the Sahaba to spread the da'wah. That now you've got this Muslim community, but we're not stopping here. We have to take what we got over here and spread it to the rest of the humanity that is just waiting to be liberated from their shackles of the various isms that they're involved in. The various isms that they have been introduced to. They, don't, they haven't seen deen. So now Rasulullah trains these Sahaba to go set up shop. Take the environment of Medina, Go to different places. And you don't have to do a lot of talking. You simply, your, your actions, your walking, your talking, no, your, your, your vision, your view, your, the way you look, your appearance itself, the way you do business is sufficient for people to say, you know what, we want to be like you. We want you to conquer our lands so we can enjoy the comfort and peace that you have in your own area. Right? So that was, that's Sheikh Shu'ai Bordak's talk. Then tomorrow, after Maghrib, Cleansing the hearts, the spiritual guidance of Messenger of Sallallahu Going back to now, individual ruhani and spirituality, akhlaq. How a Muslim community cannot be built if we don't have individual beautiful character, impeccable character. And then uh, Mufti Abrar will be speaking about the marketplace of Medina, the economic system of Islam. Then we'll have parallel sessions, mashallah, by various ulama amongst the females, amongst the males. And we'll have then after Isha, the uh, brick by brick. Over here, again, my Mufti Minhaj, how the Prophet ﷺ laid the foundation of a successful ummah, how it's connected to Darussalam. What does Darussalam need to do? What does the Darussalam need, a community need to take from this entire retreat? And we will end with the talk of Mufti Mudathir joining us from Fremont, California. Auspicious abode, the spiritually centered home of the Prophet ﷺ. What an amazing way to end this beautiful retreat, inshallah, tomorrow evening. How Rasulullah's home itself was based upon spirituality, and that house became the markaz of all the other houses. So beloved brothers and, and sisters and dear listeners, couple important points. This is a gathering of dhikr. This is a gathering of knowledge. The more respect we show here, the more we will benefit. And the respect we show is to the, the, this, this gathering is by coming as close as possible. So I request everyone to ensure that we move forward. Let's not leave these gaps, right? This is shaitan who sits around in these gaps. Remove those gaps, come sit as close as possible. And so uh, we can enjoy the, the, uh, the, 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 the gathering of the angels that surrounds us fully as well. Uh, if, if someone is feeling ill or something like that, of course, then you, know, you may take a seat in the back. And it's up to you. But majority of us, inshallah, I request you, the youth as well, please make your way forward. Do not sit in the back. You've traveled from far and wide to be here. The full benefit will be in the front row. The closer you are to the front, inshallah, the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be even greater there. 
So let's take a moment. Sisters, I, I request you as well in your, in, your hair, in your prayer hall. Let's inshallah please make your way forward and sit as close as possible. Second thing, let us renew our niyyah. Why are we here? We're here for the sake of Allah. We're here because I, every one of us should say, I need this more than anyone else. I need this. This is the most opportune time for me to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no one in this entire room who needs these talks more than I do. Every one of us should have this genuine feeling in his heart. And say, Ya Allah, allow all the speakers to be able to address my concerns, my issues, my worries. Whether you have a philosophical problem, you have an emotional problem, you have a psychological problem, you have a spiritual problem. You turn to Allah right now and say, Ya Allah, allow the speakers to address the issues I am currently going through. In the light of Quran and Sunnah. Can you all do that niyyah right now? Yes? Right, make this niyyah between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is uh, the second thing I would ask all of you to do. Third thing is make niyyah immediately of amal. Whatever we're going to hear, we are going to put it into practice tonight. Not tomorrow, tonight. Inshallah ta'ala, this is, if we listen with a niyyah of amal, Allah will give, make a decision of you being able to practice it right now. But if we sit with a niyyah of, let's check this out. Uh, let's see what he's got to say. Then we won't, get, we won't be inspired to be able to put it into practice. Number four, make niyyah of propagating this to our family, our friends, and the entire ummah to the best of our ability. Again, tonight, you're going to send notes, whatever, mashallah, I see so nice brothers are prepared with their notebooks here. Alhamdulillah, this is how it's supposed to be. Now you're going to share these notes with your family and friends. You're going to, on the way out, or even tonight, if you, can take a, if you can message a couple of your friends that at least join in live stream. Right? You've already started doing the tabliq right now. Join in the live stream. We're here. I want you to join us. And try your, try your best to be here in person tomorrow at Luhr. So that's the fourth niyyah we make. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow all of you to take more than you anticipate from this gathering. And allow, your, allow you to go back home completely filled with spirituality, ruhaniyyah, closeness to Allah, love for Rasulullah a determination to follow the sunnah. May He make every one of you a flag bearer of Islam. And may He make every single one of us to be raised with Rasulullah on the day of judgment. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين. جزاكم الله خيرا. That was a great reminder of the right time, so we can have all, so we can all, inshallah, have the correct intention. May Allah Taala give us tawfiq to make amal. And moving quickly on to the next program, this is inshallah the first speech of of the Sira Conference, Mona Uthman Akhtar. Resplendent refuge, the pivotal role of the Prophet's Lawson's Masjid. Mulan Uthman Akhtar's brief bio is that he completed the memorization of the Quran at Darul Uloom, New York. And, and then he went on to study in South Africa. He graduated from Darul Uloom, Zakaria, where we studied. He completed the six-year Alim course curriculum under the guidance of world-renowned scholars and earned authorization in the hadith from many scholars, including Hazrat Mufti Rallahu al-Haqsab, Upon graduation, then he further traveled uh, to Egypt and he continued studies there and received ijazah while studying from ulama in, in Cairo, in Egypt. Upon returning from Egypt, then he graduated from the University of Connecticut with a bachelor's in psychological sciences. And he served as the imam and director of the religious, uh, director of religious affairs of the Danbury Masjid in Connecticut uh, from 2013 to 2018. For five years, he served as an imam. And in 2018, he joined here, Dar es Salaam, and alhamdulillah, uh, he's the director of the Hiz program here and the Maktab program. And, uh, and he's also a teacher of Hadith of Nasai and other books in the Alim program. So Alhamdulillah, he is a, a great asset for the entire community. Anyone associated with the Hiz program knows him very well. Uh, all the parents, 
MashaAllah, he turned the program around and he improved the standard significantly. May Allah Ta'ala grant him tawfiq and, and may Allah Ta'ala accept him further for the khidmah of deen. Jazakumullah khair. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen. Sayyidina wa habibina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een wa ba'd. We begin in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most merciful, the most compassionate, our Lord, our creator, our sustainer, our nourisher. And we bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his servant and messenger. There's a very beautiful dua that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would make. And in this dua, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection from four things. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ilmin la yanfa'. Oh Allah, I seek refuge, I seek your protection from such knowledge min ilmin la yanfa'. From such knowledge that does not give benefit. وَمِن قَلْبٍ لَا يَخْشَعْ And from such a heart that is not submissive towards you. وَمِن دُعَاءٍ لَا يُسْمَعْ And from such a dua that is not accepted or is not heard. وَمِن نَفْسٍ لَا تَشْبَعْ And O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from such a nafs, a soul, that is never satiated. So in this dua, the Prophet Ask protection from these four things. Knowledge that is not beneficial. A heart which does not humble itself towards Allah. A dua that is not accepted. And fourthly, a nafs which is never satiated. Scholars write under the commentary of this hadith that we learn a very important principle from this dua of the Prophet ﷺ. That important principle is that though we may be bestowed with a blessing, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may have given us a blessing, if we don't use that blessing the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to use it, or if we don't couple it with the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then that blessing, instead of being a blessing, can turn out to be a burden instead. It's knowledge, and we were blessed with that knowledge, but that knowledge was not beneficial for us. So despite having the knowledge, and having this blessing, instead of being a blessing, it turns out to be a burden. We have a heart, and we could have used this heart to obey Allah, and to be submissive to Allah, and to humble ourselves to Allah. But if we didn't use this heart correctly, then instead of being a blessing, this heart then becomes a burden instead. So the, from this principle we learn, that in everything in our life, and all of the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed us with, it's very important for us to couple and pair our blessings with two things. Asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his tawfiq. And secondly, coupling it and pairing it with the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Roughly a year and a half ago, when we heard that the masajid were being closed down and the blessing of the masjid was snatched away from us. First it was just the masajid, then we heard it got worse and the Jumu'ahs were snatched away. And then it got worse. Ramadan was snatched away. These thoughts ran through the minds of all of us. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given us the blessings of the masajid. Was it a deficiency on our part that this blessing was taken away? Was it something we did? Were we not fulfilling the role and the objectives of the masjid? Was it a deficiency on our part? And the ahadith of the Prophet sallallahu regarding the ending of times, regarding the signs of the day of judgment, 
ran through our minds and we heard it in Jumu'ah khutbas and on live stream feeds. The signs of the Day of Judgment and what the Prophet ﷺ said regarding the masjid. In one hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentions, And nothing will be left of Islam except the label, the name, the spirit of the Qur'an, the spirit of Islam, the message of the Qur'an, the message of Islam. All of it will vanish, what will be left? Just mere physical copies of the Qur'an, just the label of Islam and the label of Muslim. And towards the end of that hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, At that time, Masajiduhum Amirah wa hiya min al huda. At that time, Masajid will be built beautifully, but unfortunately, wa hiya min al huda, they will be empty from any guidance. In another hadith reported by Imam Bukhari, it's the saying of Anas radiallahu an. He mentions that Anas radiallahu an, while mentioning the signs of the Day of Judgment, he said, People will build masjids, thumma la illa People will build the masjids, but then they won't populate them. They won't establish the masjid. Essentially, not fulfilling the role and the responsibility that the masjid has. So these thoughts ran through our mind. And so today I wanted to look through the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. From the life of the Prophet ﷺ, what do we learn regarding the rights and the responsibilities and the role of the masjid? The first thing that I wanted to mention, and we always hear it, in regards to everything that we do in Islam, is our intention. Whether we're building it, whether we're attending, whether we're giving, whether we're taking, whether we're volunteering, cleaning, teaching, learning, whatever capacity our relationship might be with the, with the masjid of Allah, with the houses of Allah, our intention should only be for the sake of Allah. Nothing else should cloud our intention. Like I mentioned, if you're building, giving, taking, attending, teaching, learning, in whatever capacity our relationship is with the masjid, we do it only for the sake of Allah. I'm reminded of the story in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was a, name, a man by the name of Abu Amir. And this Abu Amir, he built a masjid with all of the wrong reasons and all of the wrong intentions. He built a masjid and then he asked the Prophet ﷺ, O Prophet of Allah, can you come pray in my masjid, endorse it? If the Prophet ﷺ prays there, then of course, everyone else will also pray there. The Prophet ﷺ was on his way to Tabuk. And the Prophet ﷺ said, on the way back, I'll stop at your masjid. But before the Prophet ﷺ could stop and pray in the masjid, Jibreel ﷺ descended with verses from the Qur'an, wahi and revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cleared the air and inform the Prophet ﷺ of Abu Amr's true intentions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مَسْجِدًا ضِرَارًا وَكُفْرًا وَتَفْرِيقًا بَيْنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ In regards to that man who built the masjid for harm, for disuniting the ummah, for all different other purposes besides the true, true niyyah and for, uh, for pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the ayah, husna." If you had to ask Abu Amir, why did you build the masjid? He will say, I built it for Allah. Illal husna. I only built it for good. Wallahu yashhadu innahum Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah bear witnesses that this man, he is lying. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لا تقم فيه أبدا. Never stand in that masjid. The masjid that was built on the established on the foundation of piety, Yani Masjid Quba, it is more deserving that you stand in that masjid 
rather than the Masjid of Abu Amir. It's mentioned in narrations that the Prophet ﷺ asked Ali and Hamza to go and to destroy that Masjid of Abu Amir. And legend has it to that till today, nothing fruitful has come from that piece of land. So again, whatever we do for the sake of Allah, whether we're building, whether we're helping, whether we're attending, whether we're giving, whether we're taking, whether we're teaching, whether we're learning in any capacity with the houses of Allah, then we do it solely and only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm reminded of another hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, in which the Prophet ﷺ talked about those that sell and buy in the masjid. Yani they are far away from the role and the responsibility or the actual objective of a masjid if they are selling in the masjid. The Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا رَأَيْتُمْ مَنْ يَبِيعَ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ If you see someone selling in the masjid, then say to him, لَا أَرْبَحَ اللَّهُ تِجَارَتَكْ not my words, the words of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, if you see somebody selling in the masjid, or buying in the masjid, transacting in the masjid, then say to him, may your business, may your transaction not be full of profit. May your transaction not have any profit. And if you see someone making an announcement for something that they've lost, If you see someone making an announcement that I lost something, then tell that person, لَا رَدَّ اللَّهُ La radallahu alayk. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not return what you lost to you. These are the words of the Prophet ﷺ. Why? Highlighting what? The fact that the masjids of Allah, the houses of Allah are only for Allah. And our intention should only be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Honoring the sanctity of the masjid. When we come to the house of Allah to do everything only for the sake of Allah. And I'm afraid, unfortunately, in the times that we live in today, a person may visit the masjid, spend a lot of time in the masjid, but unfortunately, because of the different gadgets that we have, a person may spend a whole full hour, half an hour in the masjid and leave the masjid and not have even the thought of Allah cross their mind. Not even have the thought of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cross their mind. This is how far we've come from the actual objective of the masjid is for us to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The grandson of Ibn Umar radiallahu, the grandson of Umar radiallahu an, his name was Salim ibn Abdullah, rahimahullah, he was very known he was well known for his piety and his righteousness. He was well known for his knowledge. One day he was making tawaf of the Kaaba. And the king of the time, Hisham ibn Abdul Malik, he also entered into the Kaaba and he saw that Salim ibn Abdullah is making tawaf. He entered the mataf and he saw that Salim ibn Abdullah is also making tawaf. Now Salim ibn Abdullah. He was known for his piety. He was known for his righteousness. He was known for his knowledge, his zuhud, his taqwa. So Hisham ibn Abdul Malik, the king, out of respect, he approaches Salim ibn Abdullah and he asks him, is there anything that I can help you with? Is there any need of yours? Salni hajatan. Ask me of anything and I will fulfill your, for your need. Salim ibn Abdullah, standing in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is ashamed. And he says to him, I am ashamed. How could I have the audacity to ask anyone else for anything in the house of Allah? I'm in the house of Allah, standing in front of the Kaaba. How could I have the audacity to ask anyone for anything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How could I ask anyone else? So Hisham ibn Abdul Malik, he understood his sentiments and he took a step back. And he gave him some time. After some time, they both left the masjid. And Hisham ibn Abdul Malik, out of respect, again approached him. 
and asked him, Oh, Salim, is there anything that I can help, with, help you with? Long story short, Salim ibn Abdullah didn't accept anything. Hisham ibn Abdul Malik, he mentions, this is mentioned in Bidayu and Nihaya by Ibn Kathir. He said, Hisham ibn Abdul Malik says, By Allah, I would give my whole kingdom and whatever it contains for a heart like Salim. Someone who is so connected to Allah and so, so connects, has such an amazing relationship with Allah, by Allah, I'd give everything, the whole kingdom and whatever it contains to anyone to have what Salim ibn Abdullah has. So that's the connection we all yearn to have as well. That we come to the masjid and we connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it becomes a means of shelter for us, a means of refuge, a means of connecting to Allah, a means of khair, a means of barakah for us and for our families and our communities. So the objective that we learn from the Prophet ﷺ is that we need to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and facilitate for other people as well. If we aren't connecting to Allah, the least that we can do is to help others connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The least that we can do is not become a barrier for others or a nuisance for others when they come to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we find this in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ as well. The Prophet ﷺ, a very famous story of the man who urinated in the masjid. And the Prophet ﷺ allowed for him to complete and relieve himself and then spoke to him. Across the board you'll find this when the Prophet ﷺ gave someone advice, the Sahaba would say, The Prophet ﷺ didn't beat me, he didn't curse me, he wasn't rude to me. But when he explained something, he explained it in such a beautiful manner that these Sahaba, that the Prophet ﷺ explained something to, fell in love with the deen and fell in love with Rasulullah ﷺ. So all of us, we are responsible for this as well. That we help facilitate other people's relationship to Allah, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another hadith, how the Prophet ﷺ facilitated for others. There was once a group of companions that came from far away. They spoke a different dialect of the Arabic language. They came to the Prophet ﷺ to learn the deen. And why the Prophet ﷺ, while the Prophet ﷺ is addressing them, because they spoke a different dialect of the Arabic language, the Prophet ﷺ to help them, to make them feel comfortable, to make them feel welcome, the Prophet ﷺ changed his dialect as well. They would replace the alif lam with alif meem. We know for those of us that know the Arabic language, uh, a word that's definite will start with an alif lam. In their dialect, they would start with alif meem. And so the Prophet ﷺ, recorded in the books of hadith, he changed his alif lam to alif meem as well. The Prophet ﷺ was describing or was explaining to them some rulings regarding fasting and while traveling. So the hadith, لَيْسَ مِنَ الْبِرِّ fi safar. That it's not from righteousness that a person fasts while traveling. There's no extra reward to fast while traveling. When the Prophet ﷺ told this or spoke this or uh, mentioned this to the, that, that group of companions, the Prophet ﷺ changed his alif lam to alif, leem, alif meem and said, لَيْسَ safar." Why? To facilitate for them, to help them, to help them in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what I'm mentioning is sometimes we need to make sure that we're helping others also in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we don't want to become a means of inconvenience or troubling someone or being a means of even worse, someone leaving the masjid or the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we need to create that self-awareness within us. 
Am I saying something that's hurting someone? Did I do something that someone may be offended by my actions? And so we have to create this self-awareness within us. Sometimes we may say something, do something, and we don't even think about it twice. But by saying something or doing something, we've broken someone's relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or we inconvenience somebody and they don't want to come back to the house of Allah. So it's our relationship, to, it's our responsibility to create that awareness within us. A very famous story of Umar radiallahu an. This is about creating self-awareness or being aware of our actions. Umar radiallahu an once walked into the marketplace. And he was the Amir al-Mu'mineen. He was the leader of the believers at that time. And as he walked into the marketplace, there was a man standing. This man, his name is Salama. He relates the story. He says, Umar radiallahu an passed by. He was passing by with purpose. He had something to do. And this was the habit of Umar radiallahu an, that he was very focused, uh, a go-getter. Everything uh, he, had, he did, he did it with purpose, did it with intention. So Umar radiallahu an himself disliked laziness for himself. He also disliked laziness for other people. If he saw someone else was being mindless or lazy or heedless, Umar radiallahu an would remind them and try to inspire them to get let go of laziness. It reminds me of the Arabic poet, he says, In regards to working hard and in regards to getting away with laziness or doing away with laziness. The Arabic poet, he says, In proportion to your hard work will you reach lofty statuses. You, know, you want success, you want to be successful in this world and the hereafter in whatever phase of your life. But you're going you're gonna to have to work hard. Through, only, only through hard work will you achieve success. Someone that aspires for greatness or success, they're going to have to stay up at night. They're going to have to burn the midnight oil. They're going to have to stay up and work hard late at night. And then the poet, he asks a sarcastic question. And he says, Tarumul Izza. You aspire to be successful, but you're sleeping at night. You aspire to be successful, and you have these high aspirations, these goals, and you want this lofty status. But you're sleeping at night. How is that ever going to happen? He says, The person who wants pearls is going to have to dive deep into the ocean. He can't sit on the beach and relax and sit on the banks of the shore. The one who wants pearls is going to have to dive deep into the ocean. So Umar radiallahu an, he disliked laziness for himself. He disliked laziness for other people as well. Anyways, he was walking by in the marketplace and he saw Salama. And Salama was mindless, heedless, didn't really have purpose. So Umar radiallahu an walks by and gives him a small nudge. And he says, Hakada ya Salama? Oh Salama, this is how you are. This is what you're walking with. What, what's going on? And gives him a small nudge. Anyways, they go their separate ways. And a year passes by. Salama says, Fasakata anni hatta kana fil amil muqbil. A whole year passed by. Salama had forgotten this had even happened. In fact, in the narration he mentions, when Umar radiallahu anh nudged me, I didn't even feel it. In fact, he missed. He just barely caught the edge of my cloth. 
of the edge of my clothes. So he said, a whole year went by, me and Umar radiallahu anhu didn't meet, we didn't cross paths, until the next year in the very same market, we were standing there and Umar radiallahu anhu came to me. And he said, Ya Salama, aratta al-hajj al-aam, O Salama, are you intending to go for hajj this year? And Sal Salama replied and he said, Naam ya Amir al-Mu'mineen. Yes, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, I intend to go for hajj. So Umar radiallahu anhu grabbed his hand. Salama says, فَأَخَذَ بِيَدِي فَمَا فَارَقَتْ يَدِي يَدَهُ حَتَّى دَخَلَ بَيْتَهُ Umar radiallahu anhu grabbed my hand and he didn't let go until he took me all the way to his house. Umar radiallahu anhu grabbed my hand and took me all the way to his house. When we got to his house, he took out a bag of coins and he gave it to Salama. And he said, Ya Salama, ista'in bihada, O Salama, use this for help in, in your journey for Hajj. You know, the expenditure that you have, use this for help in your, in your, expend, in, in your expenses. And then Umar radiallahu anh cleared the air and mentioned why he was giving him the money. Umar radiallahu anh said, O Salama, this is for the last year we were in the marketplace and I passed by you and I gave you a small nudge. This is in hope that you have space in your heart to forgive me. A whole year later, Umar radiallahu anh is telling Salama, I'm giving you this in hope that you have space in your heart to forgive me. That last year I walked by and I nudged you. So Salama is shocked and he has to think about the fact that this even happened. He is standing there thinking, what are you talking about? And he's thinking about it. And then he said, oh, okay, maybe, yeah, I remember. He says, ya Amir al-Mu'mineen. Oh, Umar radiallahu anh. Oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen. He says, ma dhakartuha hatta dhakartaniha. I didn't even remember this happened. I didn't even remember this happened. You reminded me now. I kind of remember. How did Umar radiallahu anh reply? And this is what I was speaking about. This is the point I wanted to come to. That we have to have a self-awareness of our actions. Umar radiallahu anh nudged Salama a whole year before. Salama forgot about it. But Umar radiallahu never forgot about it. Salama says, O oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, I didn't even remember until you reminded me that that happened. Umar radiallahu anh said, Wallahi ma nasituha ba'du. Since that day till today, it's been nudging me, it's been bothering me. I haven't been able to sleep for a whole year since I nudged you. That's why after a whole year, I'm giving you this and I'm asking you to forgive me. So a whole year went by. And Umar radiallahu anh remembered what had happened a whole year ago. Why? Because he was aware. He was aware of what had happened. He was aware that maybe I caused someone some inconvenience. Maybe I hurt someone's feeling. And he couldn't sleep. And he didn't let it go until he spoke it out and asked him for forgiveness. So this is what we have to work on. Work on the fact that we want to make sure that everything I do is a means of Happiness for other people, not a means of sadness. The Prophet said, Sometimes somebody's, sometimes a person may say something and they don't think much of it. It might just be a snarky comment. It might just be a clever remark. It might not, you know, a person doesn't even think much about it. They just say it. They just don't even think that it meant anything. But by Allah, because they said something that hurt someone's feelings, or they caused some inconvenience. The Prophet ﷺ said, through that one kalima, through that one word, through that one phrase that you thought meant nothing, through that one kalima, through that one word, that one phrase that you thought meant nothing, you didn't think anything of it, you thought nothing of it, but by Allah, in the depths of Jahannam, you've just launched yourself 
The distance more than the distance between the east and the west. Why? Because you said something you shouldn't have said. You did something that caused someone inconvenience. And so in our masajid as well, we want our communities, not just the masjid, but the community, the worshippers, to be closely connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through action, through intention, through our actions, not only us, but those around us come closer to the house of Allah. Build a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let it be a means of forgiveness for us in our communities. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised Masjid Quba in that same ayah that I mentioned, that the masjid that was built upon the foundation of taqwa is more deserving for you, O Prophet of Allah, to stand in it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't stop with the praise of the masjid just by praising the masjid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala went on and he described and, and, and described and praised the worshippers as well. There are people there that have great, amazing actions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised the worshippers as well. So it's not just the masjid, it's not just the building, but it's the actual community that makes the masjid. And so we have to make sure that we try our best to be a means of happiness, not a means of nuisance or embarrassing anyone else. Another story comes to mind, that of Jarir ibn Abdullah al-Bajali radiallahu an. He was a great companion, accepted Islam in the late, later years of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In the ninth or tenth hijra, uh, year after hijrah, he accepted Islam. He was a leader of his own nation. When he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Prophet sallallahu wasallam gave him respect and honored him. In fact, in one gathering, he entered and there was nowhere for him to sit. The Prophet ﷺ took off his own cloak and gave it to him so that he could sit on it. And he asked the Prophet ﷺ, of course, after being honored, he took the cloak of the Prophet ﷺ and took barakah from it and then put it down to sit on it. He said, O oh, Prophet of Allah, you're respecting me. You're giving me honor. The Prophet ﷺ said, Yes, when leaders of nations come and people that are worthy of respect and honor, then of course we give them respect and honor. So this Abdullah, uh, Jarir ibn Abdullah al-Bajli radiallahu an, he was very tall, he was very handsome. Umar radiallahu an used to say, Yusufu hadihi al-ummah. He is the Yusuf of this ummah. So once he was sitting with Umar radiallahu an in a house, in a gathering, and there were other people there as well. Umar radiallahu an were... Was, was addressing the people. And as Umar radiallahu anhu is addressing the people, somebody uh, ha happens to pass gas. And when they pass gas, it ruins the environment in the house. It's a small room, a small house, a lot of people. And so this upset Umar radiallahu anhu. He became a little bit upset. And so Umar radiallahu anhu said, whoever passed gas, stand up and go make wudu. Whoever passed gas, stand up and go make wudu. You can just imagine. Right, the embarrassment that a person must feel. And this is Umar radiallahu an. He's not playing around. And so Umar radiallahu an, as he's saying this, Jarir ibn Abdullah radiallahu an is there and he grabs Umar radiallahu an. Before Umar radiallahu an can finish, he grabs Umar radiallahu an. And he says, Oh Umar, oh Amirul Mu'mineen, oh Yatawadda'ul Qawmu Jami'an, oh Amirul Mu'mineen, how about we all go make wudu? How about we all go make wudu? Oh, yatawadda'ul qawmu jami'an. Oh, Umar radiallahu an. Oh, Amirul Mu'mineen. How about we all go make wudu? If that one person gets up to leave to go make wudu, how embarrassing. How about we all take a break, a two-minute break, and we all stand up and we all go make wudu? 
Umar radiallahu anhu, when he heard this, now if it had to be you and I, we would become upset. You know who you're talking to, I'm the leader, I'm this, I'm that. Unfortunately, this is one of the keys that shaitan uses on uh, people that attend the masjid or people that are somewhat religiously connected. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us tawfiq. Uh, we fall, whether we like it or not, under the category of the quote-unquote religious people. So this is a key that shaitan uses. Sometimes our arrogance gets to us. The Prophet ﷺ said, A person has even an iota's worth of kibr, of arrogance, of pride in their heart, they will not enter Jannah. So sometimes shaitan gets to us with these spiritual diseases, which inshallah we'll, we'll sp speak about tomorrow. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, he mentions in his Ahya al-Uloom, he mentions if you see, and he talks about one of the cures of our egos, our, uh, of being arrogant or boastful, how to get rid of this in our hearts. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, he mentions, if you see a young person, if you see a young person, many times we'll think, he's young, he doesn't know much. I'm more educated, I'm wealthier, I'm mature. He's just a young child. So Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, said, how do we get rid of this? He says, when you see as a young man, Say to yourself, This young man hasn't committed sins, and I've committed many sins. So there's no doubt this young man is better than me. So our thought process should be, this young man doesn't have 30-40 years of sins on his scale of deeds. I have 30-40 years of sins on my scale of deeds. Hence, فَلَا شَكَّ أَنَّهُ خَيْرٌ مِّنِّي there's no doubt this young man is better than me. And maybe you see an elderly person and you think I'm young and I have energy and I can do this and I can do that. How to take out the arrogance and to free ourselves from the spiritual disease? Imam Ghazali writes, If you see an old elderly person, you should say or think to yourself, This old man or this elderly person They've been worshipping Allah for far longer than I have. They've got 60, 70 years of good deeds on their scale. I've only got maybe 5, maybe 10, and we all know our true, our true selves. So if you see an elderly person, think to yourself, he's got more years of, of good deeds, more Ramadans, more Salawats, more everything than I do. So definitely this person, فَلَا شَكَّ أَنَّهُ خَيْرٌ مِّنِّي This elderly person, no doubt about it, he's better than me. If you see someone that's a learned person, then if you see that learned person, think to yourself, he knows that which I don't know. So definitely he knows better than me. And if you see an ignorant person or a layman, then think to yourself, This person... He's a layman. He doesn't know any better. He committed sins because he didn't know any better. And I committed sins despite the fact that I had knowledge. Despite the fact that I had knowledge, I committed sins. This person, a layman, he committed sins. He didn't even know. He didn't know any better. But I knew better. And I still committed sins. So, فَحُجَّةُ alayya akbar. The, 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 the case against me is more difficult. The case against me is more difficult. I knew, and despite the fact that I had knowledge, I continued to sin. This person didn't know, and he didn't know any better. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's case against me is stronger. And then he even goes to the extent, he says, Even if you see a kafir, 
Even if you see someone that doesn't believe in Allah, then think to yourself, Asa and Yuslim, it is, there's the potential, perhaps, that this kafir will tomorrow accept Islam, and all of his sins will be forgiven, and my sins will still remain. فَلَا شَكَّ خَيْرٌ minni. If that happens, then there's no doubt he's better than me. So Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, he makes mention of this, how to rid ourselves of the arrogance in our heart. Anyways, going back to the story of Umar radiallahu an, Umar radiallahu an is sitting there, Jarir ibn Abdullah holds him and says, Oh, yatawadda'u al-qawmu jami'an ya amir al-mu'mineen. Oh, amir al-mu'mineen, how about we all make wudu? How about we all stand up and take a two-minute break? So Umar radiallahu an, he looks at Jarir ibn Abdullah and he says, Rahimakallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have blessings, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. Ni'ma sayyidu kunta fil jahiliyyah, ni'ma sayyidu anta fil islam. You were an amazing leader before you accepted Islam. And now, even now, you're an amazing leader still today. So even before Islam, you're a great leader. Who's saying this? Amirul Mu'mineen, the leader of the Muslims. He himself is calling Jarir ibn Abdullah the true leader. That you were a great leader before, you're still a great leader today. So we want to be a means of happiness. A means of happiness for other people, specifically when they come to the masjid. Be a means of happiness and facilitate their relationship with Allah. Their tears will be on your scale of good deeds. Their salawat will be on your good scale of good deeds. Their dua, their sadaqah will be on your scale of good deeds. Why? Because you helped facilitate their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is everyone's responsibility that we help facilitate other people's relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make it an enjoyable experience so they come back again and again to remember Allah. And like I mentioned, their good deeds on your scale of good deeds as well. Another story comes to mind of the Prophet ﷺ being a means of happiness. Being a means of happiness. The Prophet ﷺ, in his time there was a man by the name of Zahir. <clears throat> and Zahir, he was from the desert people. And the desert people are different from the city people. The desert people have different customs. The desert people have a different way of speaking. They aren't as formal as the city people are. So the Bedouins, the people from the desert, they would come and they would speak to the Prophet ﷺ, and they would speak in such a frank manner that the Sahaba would sit back and enjoy. They would sit back and enjoy. Because they didn't have, the people of the city didn't have that, uh, that formality that the Sahaba had. Anyways, Zahir, he was a man that would come from the, from the desert, spend time in Medina, and then he would leave. When he would come, he would give the Prophet ﷺ some gifts. And when he would leave, the Prophet ﷺ would return the favor. Not only return the favor, the Prophet ﷺ would help get his things together. So the Prophet ﷺ helped him. And the Prophet ﷺ created a bond with him, a relationship, a friendship with him. So much so that the Prophet ﷺ used to pay tribute to him. And he used to say, إِنَّ زَاهِرًا بَادِيَتُنَا وَنَحْنُ حَاضِرُوهُ إِنَّ زَاهِرًا بَادِيَتُنَا وَنَحْنُ حَاضِرُوهُ Zahir is our contact, our person in the, in the desert. When we go somewhere, we usually have someone that we have a connection with. So the Prophet ﷺ said, when we travel, Zahir is our contact. And when he comes to the city, then we are his people. We are his contact in the city. So the Prophet ﷺ paid tribute to him as well. In the hadith, this is found in Shamayl Tirmidhi, Anas ﷺ, the narrator of the hadith, he goes as far as to say, and he says it frankly, he says, the Kanan Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa yuhibbuhu, the Prophet sallallahu loved him, had a special relationship with him. He was a man of unsight, he was an unsightly person. Someone that disheveled hair, 
bad smell, maybe tattered clothing. People didn't come see him. In fact, people looked down upon him. Society as a whole looked down upon Zahir because he was from the desert, disheveled hair, tattered clothing, not a very sightly appearance. So people would actually shun him and turn away from him, not spend time with him and not talk to him. The Prophet ﷺ, though, loved him and would spend time with him and would talk to him. One day, and this is mentioned in the way that the Prophet ﷺ would joke. The Prophet ﷺ sees Zahir in the marketplace selling some things. So the Prophet ﷺ sneaks up behind him so that Zahir can't see that this is the Prophet ﷺ. And he sneaks up behind Zahir and he hugs Zahir. He holds him. Now Zahir was someone that was looked down upon in society. <clears throat> he thought someone was playing a joke on him. And he became upset. And he couldn't see who's holding him. It was the Prophet ﷺ hugging him from behind. But Zahir couldn't see that. And so he tried to let go. And he said, Man hadha, man hadha, arsilni. Who is this? Who is this? Let me go. Let me go. And so he struggled a little bit and he freed himself a little bit and he, enough to look, turn around and see the Prophet ﷺ. And when he turned around and he saw it was the Prophet, he smiled. And then he embraced the hug of the Prophet ﷺ. He stopped fighting, he stopped struggling and he took the hug of the Prophet ﷺ. And then the Prophet ﷺ, as a joke, the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ يَشْتَرِي هَذَا الْعَبْدِ مَنْ يَشْتَرِي هَذَا الْعَبْدِ Who's going to buy this slave? Who's, the Prophet is still hugging him, still holding him and saying, who's going to buy this slave? Who's going to buy this slave? Now Zahir knew that he was looked down upon in society. No one gave him the time of day. He was heartbroken and so he spilled his heart, his heart out unto, uh, to, uh, to the Prophet He said, O Prophet of Allah, if you sell me, إِذَنْ وَاللَّهِ تَجِدُنِي kasida." O Prophet of Allah, if you sell me or if you try selling me, you're going to get nothing out of me. I'm worthless. I'm valueless. I'm broke. People look down upon me. O Prophet of Allah, if you sell me, you'll get nothing in return. So he poured his heart out to the Prophet ﷺ that, O Prophet of Allah, I have nothing. I'm broke. I'm worthless. I'm valueless, O Prophet of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ took this as an opportunity to be a means of happiness. He was already being a means of happiness for him. But the Prophet ﷺ returned and in and, and, and answer to Zahir, he said, Oh Zahir, لَكِنْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ لَسْتَ بِكَاسِدٍ أَنْتَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ غَالٍ Oh Zahir, in the eyes of people, you may think that they look down on you. You may think that the people don't like you and that you're the lowest of the people. In the eyes of people, you may be low. But by Allah, in the sight of Allah, you are priceless. In the sight of Allah, you're beyond price. You're priceless. You're invaluable. You're beyond price. You're precious, O Zahir. So the Prophet ﷺ completely mended his heart. He saw that this man's heart was broken. And the Prophet ﷺ made it a means of happiness for him. Made, him. made it a means of happiness for him. And so this is what we find in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. When our institutions have this quality, then we will see that the masajid thriving, our communities thriving. There will be teaching and learning going on. There will be humanitarian aid going on. There will be social welfare going on. There will be da'wah going on. 
In the middle of it all, the heart of the community is the masjid, like the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. That's when the masjid will become a refuge for all of us. For anyone going through any type of difficulty, we will be able to come to the masjid and solve all of our issues through connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was a man by the name of Abu Umama radiallahu an. It was a shelter. It was a refuge. The masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, literally, people would go there to, to heal. And so the Prophet ﷺ one day is walking by, and it's a time when normally people aren't in the masjid. A time when normally no one else is in the masjid. And the Prophet ﷺ is walking by, and he sees Abu Umama radiallahu an sitting in the masjid, all alone. It's dark. No one else is there. The Prophet ﷺ approaches Abu Umama radiallahu an. And he knows that something's wrong. The Prophet ﷺ asks Abu Umama, Oh Abu Umama, Mali Araka Jalisan fil Masjidi fi Ghairi Waktis Salah. Oh Abu Umama, why do I see you sitting in the masjid? No one else is here. It's not a time for salah. Why are you here? Why are you here, O oh Abu Umama? And so Abu Umama radiallahu anhu replied, he said, Duyunun wa humumun lazimatni ya Rasulullah. Duyunun wa humumun lazimatni ya Rasulullah. My debts and my anxiety, they've, they've brought me down. Literally, they've, they've brought, me, they brought me down. My debts and my anxieties, my stress, my grief, it's dragged me down, O Prophet of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ was there again to mend his heart. The Prophet ﷺ said, let me teach you a dua. Recite this dua in the mornings, recite this dua in the evenings. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of your grief. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of your debts. So Abu Umama radiallahu an, narration of Abu Dawood, Abu, Abu Umama radiallahu an, he says, فَفَعَلْتُ ذَلِكْ I did exactly that. I said, I made that dua in the morning, I made that dua in the evening, and by Allah, within some time, all my duyun were taken care of. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of all my debts, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of all my grief. So this was the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the very famous incident of Ali radiallahu an and Fatima radiallahu anha, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam sensed some tension between Ali radiallahu an and Fatima radiallahu anha. And so he visited Fatima radiallahu anha and he noticed that Ali radiallahu an wasn't at home. So he asked Fatima radiallahu anha, Aina ibn Ammik, where is, where is Ali? And so Fatima radiallahu anha said that he's left the house out of frustration. Some marital uh, you know, difficulty had taken place and so he's gone to the masjid. And so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam makes his way to the masjid, speaks to Ali radiallahu an, and helps them uh, solve their matter. By the way, a side note from this, this narration of Ali radiallahu an, the best of relationships can have its challenges. Right? The best of relationships can go through some difficulty, some trial, some tribulation. A perfect relationship doesn't mean that there's no difficulty. Our ustad used to give a very beautiful example. He used to say that if a, if a pilot claims that he's an expert pilot because he never hit turbulence. If a pilot claims that he's an expert pilot because he never hit turbulence, then in reality, that's not his expertise. You might say that's luck, that he never hit turbulence, but that's not expertise. Expertise, an expert pilot will be the one who says, I've gone through the worst of turbulence, but I've been able to land the plane safely. I've been through the worst of turbulence, but I know how to manage it. I know how to manage the turbulence. I know how to get out of it. I know how to land the plane safely. That's an expert pilot. 
So in the same way, in our relationships, the best of relationships have difficulty. The, the likes of Fatima radiallahu an and Ali radiallahu an. In fact, a story comes to mind of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself. Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah makes mention of this narration. Imam Ghazali rahimahullah also indicates towards it in Ihya al-Uloom. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was once out on an expedition with two of his wives, Aisha radiallahu anha and Safiya radiallahu anha. Aisha radiallahu anha, she would travel light. She would travel very light, just a few things. And in that specific expedition, her camel was also very fast and was very quick. It was a younger camel, it was fast, it was quick, and she traveled very light. You know, they have the, the check-in luggage, right? Then they have the carry-on, and then there's something even smaller, correct? What, is, what do they call it? Personal item, right? So Aisha radiallahu anha traveled very, very light, very, very light. So she had the quick camel, and she was traveling light. And Sophia radiallahu anha, she had an old sluggish camel, and she had lots of luggage, lots of luggage, lots of stuff with her. So what ends up happening is Sophia radiallahu anha's camel starts to slow down the whole caravan because it's a slow, old camel. And then on top of it, Sophia radiallahu anha had lots of luggage. So because of the lots of luggage, the, the camel would slow down. It was a slow camel already. And the whole caravan's being slowed down. So the Prophet ﷺ suggests to Aisha radiallahu anha and Safiya radiallahu anha that listen, look, the camel's slowing down the whole caravan. How about we take her luggage from, her, from Safiya's camel radiallahu anha and put it on Aisha radiallahu anha's camel. Her camel is fast and quick and it has very little luggage. Why don't we help out Safiya radiallahu anha's camel, take the things and put it onto Aisha radiallahu anha's camel. Hopefully that will help speed up that slow camel. So as the Prophet sallallahu suggesting this, Aisha radiallahu anha doesn't like this idea. And Aisha radiallahu anha becomes upset. And she's going back and forth with the Prophet sallallahu that I must take the luggage of another person and I have to, you know, what kind of, uh, of justice is this between I and her? How come she gets to have none and I have to take all of her luggage and they're going back and forth? And as they're going back and forth, Aisha radiallahu anha makes a statement. And she says, Alasta taz'umu annaka rasulallah? Alasta taz'umu annaka rasulallah? She was upset, radiallahu anha. She was upset. She said, I have to take her luggage because her camel is slow and she packed a lot. And how is this justice? And oh, by the way, don't you claim to be a prophet? Aren't you the one that claims to be a prophet? SubhanAllah, if it had to be you or I, we would cry out blasphemy and we would say all of these things. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? He took it in jest. The Prophet ﷺ said, Oh, Aisha, are you in doubt about my prophethood? Are you in doubt about my prophethood? And he smiled and he joked it off and he laughed and it was done with. Abu Bakr radiallahu heard this. Of course he was upset. The Prophet sallallahu said, Mahlan ya Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr, let it go. The Prophet smiled and, and just let it go. So going back to what I was saying about the pilots and the turbulence, you can go through the worst of turbulence, 
But if a person knows how to manage the turbulence, then even the best of relationships, the best of relationships can have some difficulties, some trials, some tribulations. It's the outcome. When you come out of it and you're closer to Allah and you're closer to your spouse and together you're praying your salawat together and making dua and making istighfar and making a regimen of dhikr, that is the stronger relationship. That is the stronger relationship. Anyways, going back to what I was mentioning, in our masajid, we want, to be, we want our masajid to be sources of happiness, sources of guidance, sources of, 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 of rahmah and barakah for all of us. And our masajid, our elders did such a, great, such a great effort, giving their life, their wealth, their sacrifice, their time to build these institutions. It's upon the community that we build this community within it. And we have great akhlaq and make the environment an environment, an inviting environment. An environment where we're not giving other people inconvenience. And like I mentioned, sometimes we may something and not think anything of it. But you may have broken someone's heart. You may be hanging out with the same people every day and not know that by not hanging out by, with other people and not saying salam to other people, you're creating an environment that's against the environment of the masjid of the Prophet the most downtrodden of the people in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the likes of Zahir an, the Prophet ﷺ had a great relationship with him. So I apologize if I come across as offensive, but ulama only speaking to ulama, and hufad only speaking to hufad, and people from a specific profession only speaking to people from their profession, and the youngsters only speaking to youngsters, and one ethnicity only speaking to their ethnicity, and the elderly only speaking to the elderly. This is not from the sunnah. This is not from the environment of the masjid of the Prophet So we make our environment of the masjid according to the environment of the masjid of the Prophet and you will find that there will be learning and teaching. And the heart of the, the masjid will be the heart of the community. People will be learning and teaching and giving da'wah and humanitarian aid. All taking place from the center, the community of the masjid, of the, of the, the center of the community, the masajid and the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In conclusion, I just wanted to reiterate what Sheikh Hussein mentioned when he visited us for the grand opening of the seminary. The advice he gave was, give your heart to the institution. And it reminded me of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ at the time of Badr, when the Prophet ﷺ gathered the Muhajir and the Ansar. And the Prophet ﷺ gathered them to see if they were all on the same page, to see if they were all okay with going to war at Badr. So the Prophet ﷺ asked the Sahaba, both the Ansar as well as the Muhajireen, that who here, you know, we're all, you know, we're ready for this and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Suggestions, comments, feedback. And the Sahaba answered. And the Muhajirs answered twice. And so the Prophet ﷺ knew in the back of his mind that the Muhajirin, they're already on board. They came all the way from Mecca and moved to Medina. They're ready. They were get ready to give their life. But the Prophet ﷺ wanted to hear it from the Ansar. He wanted to hear it. From, he wanted the Ansari to stand up and say that we're ready, O Rasulullah. So as the Prophet ﷺ continues to ask, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh he gets the point. He gets the point that the Prophet ﷺ keeps asking because he wants to hear it from us. He wants to hear that the Ansar are on board. So Sa'ad bin Mu'adh stood up and said, turiduna ya Rasulullah. O Prophet of Allah, you keep asking. It seems as if you want to hear it from us, the Ansar. The Prophet ﷺ said, yes, exactly. I want to hear it from you. So Sa'ad bin Mu'adh gave his heart to the Prophet ﷺ. He said, O Prophet of Allah, فَقَدْ آمَنَّا بِكْ فَصَدَّقْنَاكْ وَشَهِدْنَا أَنَّ مَا جِئْتَ بِهِ هُوَ الْحَقْ 
O Prophet of Allah, we believe in you, we trust in you, and we bear witness that what you've brought this deen, it is absolute haq. If you had to jump into an ocean, O Prophet of Allah, none, no one, no one from amongst the Adsar would stay back. All of us would be with you, O Prophet of Allah. And then the Prophet ﷺ, after hearing this, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh and continued to pour his heart out. And he said, O Prophet of Allah, Sil habla man shi'ta, waqta' habla man shi'ta, wa khudh min amwalina ma shi'ta, wa a'tina ma shi'ta. O Prophet of Allah, do whatever you want with us. Tell us to make enemies out of our families, we'll make them enemies. Tell us to make friends out of those that we hate, we'll make them our friends. Take from our wealth whatever you want to take. Give us whatever you want to give us. We will not have anything to object to a Prophet of Allah. In fact, from the wealth that you take from us, that which you take from us, the wealth that you take from us, is more beloved than the wealth that you've left with us. So Sa'ad bin Mu'adh was giving his heart. And so I end with this as well. We give our hearts to the, to the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we give our hearts and make this intention, then inshallah our masajid throughout the world will become beaming, beaming, uh, they will become beaming with guidance in nur, in barakah, in rahmah. It will be a means of happiness for us and our children and our families in this world, a means of happiness in, in barakah, in rahmah, and success for us in the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallahumma, bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. There's a question in regards to the dua of, of, of uh, removing debt. That dua is included. Uh, amongst the du'as of the morning and the evening, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-ajzi wal-kasal, wa'udhu bika min al-bukhli wal-juban, wa'udhu bika min al-ghalab al-daini wa qahri al-rijal. So on this bookmark, as well as other uh, booklets of morning and evening du'as, you will find that du'a that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned uh, to Abu Umama radiallahu anhu. Jazakumullahu khayran. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. MashaAllah. Jazakumullahu khayran. Usman Akhtar for that beautiful talk about the role of the masjid. Subhanallah. <clears throat> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our masajid such places where we find solace, find unity, which goes into our next topic. In the interim, as a break, we realize that we all need a break. Alhamdulillah, we have some beautiful nasheed uh, by one of our students from Baltimore, um, Ari Bilal Khan. Alhamdulillah, he's a student. In the third year, uh, you will be singing praise of Rasulullah sallallahu Those who need to stretch can stretch. Those who uh, uh, need to grab some water or anything from the canteen. But at the same time, do not miss out on these beautiful words in Arabic and Urdu uh, with translation. So he'll be reciting in Arabic and he'll be reciting the translation, inshallah. The, on the sister side, the canteen is in the banquet hall. On the sister side, the canteen is in the banquet hall. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Allahu Allah 
So I, the brothers in the back have hopefully you're gotten refreshed with some tea or there's hot chocolate, there's tea, there's snacks, there's pastries right here. We don't have to go outside. It's uh, by the elevator. So if you have it already taken and hopefully you can ref, uh, get, you have refreshed and you've coming back in, inshallah, we'll be having one more session with Mufti bin Hajj now. Um, and the topic is going to be the prophetic community forging unparalleled bonds of unity. 
And then we'll complete it with some uh, dhikr and dua tonight. Also, those of you who would like to join us for Atikaf and would like to spend the night here tonight, alhamdulillah, the masjid is open for Atikaf. And uh, you can join us for the Tahajjud, Salatul Fajr, and a program after that. I would encourage the locals, especially the youngsters, if you can, please go ahead and join us uh, in, uh, in Atikaf. It might be just a few brothers, but alhamdulillah, the masjid is open. The students are here as well. Um, there, are, there are a few specific books that were brought in for the Sira conference in the bookstall, which is going to be open, inshallah, till 10.45 tonight. One is called uh, Nurul Ayyam, and one is called the Khulasa. So these are some of the uh, a few new books that were purchased. About five to six different books were brought into our bookstore um, for the Sira conference. Please do take a look at these new offerings before you leave tonight. And um, inshallah, hopefully tonight will be a journey. So restarting on our... Uh, study of the of the seed of the Prophet One of the things we mentioned is uh, that tonight is a night of trying to bring into practice whatever we share and whatever I'm sorry, whatever we hear and whatever is mentioned over here. Um, so, on your way out, let's just try to make niyyah and say, Allah, whether it's but making sure I'm more punctual in my sunnah before salah, whether it's punctual in what Uthman mentioned about the character, the home, the environment. Whatever those things are, right? These are the sunnahs of the Prophet ﷺ of making people feel welcome, trying to accommodate people, not making feel people, not allowing ourselves to alienate anyone. All of these beautiful sunnahs of the Prophet ﷺ, let's all make niyyah that we're going to try to put this into action, inshallah. Uh, so I request the brothers, inshallah, in the lobby. I hope you've uh, refreshed yourself a little bit, inshallah, if we can make your way back inside as we would like to begin this last portion of the program. Talk by Mufti Minhaj, inshallah. Um, we have also specific children's book on the seerah. One's called The Prophet's Pond, about the Hawdi Kothar. One is My Prophet Muhammad, My Hero. Beautiful children's books. And we have to uh, counter the type of literature. Just today, one of the community members shared with me what some of the small children's books, to, uh, second year, second graders, third graders' books are. SubhanAllah. You know, you, needless to say, what type of agenda is being pushed down the throats of our children. So we have to have a good literature that can uh, be a, uh, you know, a, a replacement to, the, to, some, to unfortunately the type of propaganda that's being uh, pushed down their minds and throats of our young kids. So please take a look at the bookstore today, bookstall, and pick up uh, some of the children's uh, books that we have there. And we have the um, QR code for the 7 million salawat um, uh, in, and, and well, as well as a QR code on all the screens, those are you listening on live stream, please utilize that QR code. You'll get the full details of the um, resources that are being provided today, the schedule and so forth. And I, you might have heard me say the 7 million salawat if you are listening, hear, hearing about it first time. This was just an effort uh, in the community, starting off with a student body to make this conference an occasion where we push ourselves in sending salutations upon the Prophet Today's Salatul Jum'ah Khutbah was also Alhamdulillah on this topic. So my beloved brothers, uh, we have Alhamdulillah almost, almost came to that goal or even possibly exceeded that. Tonight I'm going to remind all of those who are listening online to please join us uh, before tomorrow night's dua. And please go to the website or link masjiddarussalam.org backslash salawat and 
put in the number of salawat you have done this past couple weeks, this past month, so that we can tally it all together and present it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tomorrow evening in our final dua. So I want all of you inshallah to uh, please do so who are listening online. Those of you who are here and you would like to deposit your, your salawat card, please deposit it in the uh, salawat deposit box in the lobby, which looks like a donation box, but you donate your salawat card. If you don't have a card, you can pick it up from outside. There's a few cards that are left, inshallah. Uh, and between now and tomorrow evening, at least we can try to fill up our, our one card, at least which is, uh, you know, about 10,000. 10,000 salawat. So may I request the brothers in the back here, you've been upgraded to business class. Alhamdulillah. See, the seats are empty in business, so we're going to do an upgrade, free. Right? So come through. Brothers in the back, you've been upgraded. Please come forward. And those who lost their spot, they lost their spot. But you all, alhamdulillah, you've been sitting here. Come forward, inshallah. Brothers in the lobby, you know, please kindly come forward. Sisters also, can we gather back together? my dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam, respected elders and young friends and students, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, the final talk for tonight is regarding. The prophetic community forging unparalleled bonds of unity about ittihad, unity, the importance of unity, and how we can achieve unity and how we can protect ourselves from disunity. Allahu Akbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهِ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ وَاعْتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا وَاذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ كُنْتُمْ أَعْدَاءً فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ بِنِعْمَتِهِ إِخْوَانًا وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَى شَفَا حُفْرَةٍ مِنَ النَّارِ فَأَنْقَذَكُمْ مِنْهَا كَذَلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ آيَاتِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَهْتَدُونَ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ In these ayat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us two commands one command is regarding us as individuals, and one command is regarding us as a society, as a community. If we fulfill these two commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we will be successful in all fronts. The command regarding us as individuals is taqwa. Ya amanu, O those who believe, ittaqullah, inculcate taqwa in your lives. How much? Not when you feel like it, as much as easy for you, but rather haqqa tuqati, the way it is the right of Allah that you fear Him. And make sure you do not die, but in the state of Islam. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Hold on firmly to the rope of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Abdullah bin Mas'ud said, Rasulullah he defined the Habulullah, the rope of Allah, that this is the Kitabullah, the book of Allah. And do not become disunited, do not become divided amongst yourself. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not only give us a command to be united, He also identifies for us what is that factor that can unite us. The only way we can be united is if we hold on firmly to the book of Allah. The benefits of unity are such that there are no differences of opinion about it. All human beings agree that unity is beneficial. United we stand, divided we fall. So we all agree that unity is desirable, unity is beneficial, unity is maqsood, matloob. But despite this, this unity at all levels are, is increasing. Why so? It is because unity on what? We can all be united on what I say, we can all be united on what you say. Everyone is inviting towards unity based on their own agenda based on their own desires, based on their own platform, their own slogans. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given everyone different intelligence, different way of approaching things. So, no one wants to give up their own ideology to submit to anyone else's ideology. There are other ways people are calling towards being united on their color, on their region, on their language, this will by default exclude others. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He gives us the command to unite, He identifies for us the single factor that could potentially unite us all. And that is the book of Allah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have any particular relation with anyone. Allah ta'ala is, is not biased in anyone's favor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the khaliq and we are all His makhluq, we are all His creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not give preference to any one group, any one language, any one people or any other people. We're all equal in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we agree to submit to the will of Allah as outlined by Allah in the Quran, then and only then we can achieve unity. At every, different, at every level. So if there is a husband and a wife and they're having problems in their marriage, that Mawlana alluded to that happens in healthy marriages as well. As one marriage uh, psychologist, he mentioned that there is no 100% compatible spouse. Right? The successful marriage is not the one where you find a 100% compatible spouse. Rather, the successful marriage is the one in which you learn how to manage the incompatibilities. So incompatibilities will be there. It's a matter of how to manage them. So if the husband has a, one idea and the wife has her idea, and husband wants his way, the wife wants her way, this is my family's way, this is my understanding, this is my understanding, they're fighting. So, the only way they can be united is if they both say, okay, let's forget what I think, let's forget what you think, let's both submit to what Allah says. That husband and wife will be united. If the parents are saying something, the kids are saying something, they're fighting. If the parents and the kids, they both say, we will submit to what Allah says, there will be unity in that family. The brothers, there'll be unity. Business partners, there'll be unity. Neighbors, there'll be unity in that neighborhood. And masjid boards, masjid communities, if they all agree to submit to Allah, then that will be the key to unity in that masjid, in that community, in that city, in that state, in that country, in that, in that world. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hold on firmly to the rope of Allah. The rope of Allah, the book of Allah. 
This robe is extending from the, from the creation to the creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is one single robe. If everyone gathers together to hold on to that robe, that robe is never going to break because of the pressure. Everyone pulling on it, it's never going to snap. A person may end up losing his grip on the rope and become lost. This is the straight path. Follow it. Don't follow the other paths. Don't hold on to anything else. So a person may go astray, leave the path, leave the book of Allah, but the book of Allah will remain strong because the book of Allah is the kalam of Allah. The kalam of Allah is the sifat of Allah. The sifat of Allah will always be there. It will always be preserved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala till the end of time when Allah will uplift it. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us how to be united. And then He prohibits disunity. He says, Do not become disunited. Do not fight on one another. Rasulullah sallallahu لا تحسدوا do not have hasad do not be jealous of one another ولا تباغضوا do not hate on one another ولا تدابروا do not plot behind each other each other's backs كونوا عباد الله إخوانا be the slaves of Allah إخوانا as brothers then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says واذكروا نعمة الله عليكم so this is something that we see in marketing today that one of the most persuasive methods of marketing is personal testimonials. So if you take, for example, different weight loss programs, one of the most effective marketing methodologies is that they have the before and after picture. Before you signed up for this program, this is how the person looked like. And a person, it, you know, it resonates with the person. Wow, that looks like me. <laughs> and after you sign up for the program, this is how you look. Then the person will be like, wow, that's how I want to become. So similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He shows in the Qur'an what the condition was before Islam and what the condition has become after Islam. With respect to women's rights, with respect to animal rights, with respect to tawheed and shirk, with respect to so many different aspects. Or shirk followed by tawheed. So over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Remember the favor of Allah upon you when you were enemies of one another, sworn enemies. So to be able to truly appreciate the transformative nature of our deen in the miracle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we cannot appreciate that until we deeply study how jahiliyyah was. After we realize how bad jahiliyyah was, then we can realize how beautiful and great Islam is. So Allah Ta'ala says, إِذْ كُنْتُمْ You are sworn enemies of one another. And the way they used to fight with one another, the way they used to kill each other, blood feuds for generations, just because... This is the, the well that my forefathers, they dug it. It belongs to me and my forefathers and my family. And how dare your camel drank the water from my well, in the well of my grandfather. So he kills the camel. And then the one whose camel was killed, kills the killer of the camel. And then the one who uh, was killed, then they go back and kill the person who killed their guy. And then the blood feud starts for generations. They're killing each other. So this is how much hatred they had. Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He's the one who united your hearts. 
فأصبحتم بنعمته إخوانا. Then you became through his favor, بنعمته through the favor of Allah you became إخوانا. You became brothers. So I was sharing this ayah with some of our friends last night in one gathering. So this is a reminder, a repetition for them and a reminder for myself and everyone else as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said here that you will become brothers. He didn't say you will become like brothers. He said you will become brothers. So this is the difference between a simile and a metaphor. Simile is like you will become like brothers. A metaphor is to say you will become brothers. And that is how much love you will have with one uh, you have now for each other. So those who are killing each other for uh, for generations because of someone drank water first that didn't quote unquote belong to them. Now they are giving their lives for each other to feed their brother first and dying thirsty. Subhanallah. The situation is exactly opposite. Then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says. How dangerous the situation had become. Allah Ta'ala says, وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَىٰ شَفَاءَ حُفْرَةٍ مِّنَ النَّارِ You are on the edge of the pit of the fire of Jahannam. You are on the edge of the cliff, ready to fall into the pit of Jahannam. That's how uh, bad your situation had become. How dangerous position you were in. فَأَنْقَذَكُمْ مِّنْهَا Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala saved you from that. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala saved you from such a dangerous predicament. You are on the edge of the pit of the fire of Jahannam. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly mentions his signs. So that you may be rightly guided. So the Aus and the Khazraj, they were fighting with each other in Medina. And the Arab tribes were killing each other, fighting with each other throughout the Arabian Peninsula. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided them through, the, through Rasulullah sallallahu through the mu'jiza and miracle of the Qur'an. And they, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forged such bonds of brotherhood, sisterhood, that is unparalleled in the annals of human history. When the muhajirun, they came from Makkah al-Mukarramah, they gave up their families, they gave up their livelihoods, they gave up their life savings, they gave up everything and came to Madinah al-Munawwara. The way the Ansar greeted them, the way the Ansar hosted them, subhanAllah. This is mentioned many times that the Ansar not only said that whatever gardens they have, we'll give you half. And whatever wealth we have, we'll give you half. Whatever homes we have, we'll give you half. We'll divide it up. So much so that they said that whoever had two wives, that whichever wife you would like between them, I'm ready to divorce her so you can get married. This is a need that you have as you are single and you have come from Makkah. You can even marry one of my wives. This, was, this is mentioned a lot of times. What's not mentioned and needs to be mentioned along with it is that not a single such offer was accepted. Right? No, no muhajir, not a single muhajir accepted this offer of, okay, fine, I will marry this one. Na'udhu billah. So, that's why it's important to say the whole truth, right? When you go to court, you say, I speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Yes, it is true that this offer was made. It is also true that it was never accepted and taken up. So, this is the muakhat, the brotherhood that was established by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi How do the people of the world purchase loyalty? Is by uh, dishing out money, kickbacks, 
And the kings of that time, they would purchase the loyalty, uh, the loyalties of the different tribes by buying off their leaders, by giving them money and gifts underhand, under the table, so that they can purchase their loyalty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا If you would spend all the money in the world to purchase the loyalty of these warring tribes, مَا أَلَّفْتَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ You would not be able to unite them. You would never be able to unite them. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ أَلَّفَ بَيْنَهُمْ It is Allah alone who united them. So it's not through money, it's not through kickbacks or benefits. This was only through the blessing of the Qur'an, the Kitabullah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the same passage, He moves on to say, وَلْتَكُمْ مِنْكُمْ أُمَّةٌ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ If you want to achieve unity in the society, and you want to create such a society, which is holding on firmly to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we cannot be focused just on ourselves as individuals. We have to be worried about the direction the entire community is heading towards. We have to have the concern for humanity. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next ayah says that there needs to be people who are dedicated, يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْخَيْرِ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ who invite towards goodness. وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ they invite towards that which is right. Forbid, uh, they invite towards goodness. وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ and they prevent that which is evil. يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ الْفْلِحُونَ And they are the successful ones. In fact, they alone are the successful ones. Now, one point here the scholars mention is that if we are going to inculcate taqwa in our lives and we're going to individually be trying our best to hold on to the Qur'an and we're not going to be concerned about what's happening around us, how are you going to have unity? It's going to be unity between, you know, you, yourself, and you know, as I say, me, myself, and I. That's it. No one else. So that is why a part of our deen is to have this concern, what is happening to the society at large. Stop thinking only about ourselves, but start thinking about the community. And when Allah Ta'ala speaks about inviting towards good and forbidding evil, he says, يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهُونَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ They invite towards ma'roof. They command ma'roof. And they pro prohibit and forbid munkar. Now there are many other words. Perhaps words which are even more commonly used for good deeds. And there are so many different words which are used for sins. For sins you have ma'asi, you have khati'ah, you have so many different words, sins. But Allah Ta'ala used the word munkar. And when, for good deeds, Allah Ta'ala used the word ma'roof. So why are these words used? There is a lesson in there for us as well. Since we're talking about unity and holding on to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is with respect to our aqaid, with respect to our aqidah. But at the same time, this same ayah is misused by those who do not understand that there is scope for valid differences of opinion in juristic matters. In fiqh matters. And they say that you have divided up the ummah. Different imams of fiqh. Different interpretations of the deen. You should get rid of all of these fuqaha, get rid of all of these imams who have divided up the ummah. And they quote this ayah. 
You are dividing the ummah in different categories, whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, become united. This is again with respect to aqaid, beliefs. When it comes to, <clears throat> for example, Amantu Billah, wa malaikatihi, wa kutubihi, wa rasulihi, wa liyum al-akhiri, wa al-qadri, khayrihi, wa sharihi, wa nallahi ta'ala, wa al-ba'athi ba'd al-mawd, the articles of faith. There, of course, there's no acceptable difference of opinion. With respect to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, khatim al-nabiyin, there's no difference of opinion. We can't say, okay, let's be united with the Qadianis. Or, let's be united with the Rawafid, or those who cursed Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and Umar radiallahu anhu, Uthman radiallahu anhu. Those who cursed the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa cursed the majority of the Sahaba. So there is no unity with, on, 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 and you know, we open the doors, the floodgates. In fact, go so far with interfaith nowadays that all Abrahamic faiths, and then, then you have, you know, the, uh, those who say that whoever believes in a divine being. So if you keep on opening it, and um, so there is, this, this is not unity. Unity is on the Quran, the Kitabullah. So we have to understand what are acceptable differences of opinion, what are unacceptable differences of opinion. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, He says they invite, He says, Ya'muruna bil ma'roof. Ma'roof is a passive participle, it means that which is well known. Meaning, they are good deeds concerning which there may be an ikhtilaf, juristic difference of opinion. That's not ma'roof. Ma'roof is that which is widely accepted by the jumhur of the ummah, the majority of the ummah opinion is that this is the correct way of doing the thing, of fulfilling the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so you invite, to, you invite towards that. And yanahuna, they prohibit munkar, that which is rejected, means rejected by everyone. If something is, there's a difference of opinion about it, then that is not something to battle about. Like, I don't want to make this a fiqh lesson, but if, if for example, uh, something that there may be a difference of opinion about is shrimp. So, if somebody's eating shrimp, he's enjoying his whatever, shrimp dish, shrimp salad, shrimp or whatever, and then, you know, you go on a crusade against him. And you say, I'm doing munkar. I'm forbidding that which is haram. This is misunderstanding of the ayah. Because the ayah uses the word munkar. Munkar means that which is rejected by all of the fuqaha, majority of the ummah. If there's a consensus against something being haram, that's munkar. So let us, there's enough things to go out and fight out, you know, to speak out against. Against shirk, against all of the haram that is documented and recognized by everyone. So that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Nahi ala munkar. Now, if these minor differences of opinion were actual disunity, then this ayah, even the Sahaba we would have to reach the wrong conclusion, they didn't even practice upon it either. Because they had difference of opinion. So what does that tell us? When it comes to the basic aqaid, the fundamentals of faith, there is no difference of opinion, there is no scope for ikhtilaf. And when it comes to fiqhi issues, we should have this broader understanding that these are all acceptable, as long as they are based on the Quran, the Sunnah, consists of the Ummah, Qiyas, analogy, and have been uh, opinions articulated by the recognized fuqaha of this Ummah. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells us after that, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ تَفَرَّقُوا وَاخْتَلَفُوا مِن بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُنْ بَيِّنَاتُ وَأُولَيْكَ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ Do not become like those who divided up their religion prior to you. And even after clear evidences, bayyanat came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they continue to fight among themselves. مِن بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُنْ بَيِّنَاتُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted you the Qur'an, has granted us the Qur'an. This is a source of guidance. Hold on to it firmly. And do not follow the footsteps of the Maghdubi alayhim and the Dalil, the Yehud and the Nasara, the past nations. Otherwise, then you will be resurrected with them. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. We ask from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Guide us along the straight path, the path of those who Allah you have favored. صِرَاطِ الَّذِينَ أَنْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا الضَّالِّينَ Not the path of the Yehud, not the path of the Nasara. Those who earn the anger of Allah, those who went astray. So this is one passage wherein Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala speaks about unity in the Quran and He identifies the factor that can unite us. We covered what are the permissible levels of differences of opinion and what are also impermissible differences of opinion. Second passage in the Quran wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is from Surah Al-Imran, now we move to Surah Anfal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu idha laqeetum fiatan. O those who believe, when you face your enemy, our greatest enemy is Iblis in Junooduhu, his army. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna shaytana lakum aduwan. Verily shaytan is your adu, aduwan mubeen, open enemy. So when you face your enemy, Fathbutu remains steadfast. Don't turn on your back. Fathbutu remains steadfast. وَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا And remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. To gain protection from the attacks of your enemy, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. وَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you may be successful. وَأَتِيعُ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ And obey Allah and His Rasul. This will give you victory against your enemy. وَأَتِيعُ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَلَا تَنَازَعُوا Do not dispute with one another. Do not argue and fight with one another. What will happen? فَتَفْشَلُوا You will become weak. وَتَذَبَ رِيحُكُمْ And the supremacy Allah has given you, the authority in the land Allah has given you over your enemies, that will be taken away by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take away the dominance He has given you in this land. As a result of your fighting with each other. Wasbiru and be patient. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with those who are patient. Subhanallah. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ask us to be patient in the context of not fighting with one another? It is because Naturally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given all of us different approaches and different ways of looking at things. And if we are going to be rigid and non-compromising in our approach, and it's my way or the highway, then we can never achieve unity. Again, at every level, from partners in a business, to families, to husband and wife, or those who are working together, colleagues. Masjid boards, Masjid communities, every single level. If we are not going to be tolerant of differences of opinion, we can never have unity. And this tolerance, how do we achieve tolerance? By having sabr. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَنَازَعُوا فَتَفْشَلُوا وَتَذَبَرِيحُكُمْ وَاصْبِرُوا That do not fight with one another, do not argue with one another. What's going to happen? The warning is that if you are, then you will lose your dominance, you will lose your strength. 
you will lose the, the awe that, you, that uh, you are inspiring your enemies, that will be removed. You will become powerless, you will seem weak. You will become weak, not only seem weak, and this is what's happening throughout the world. Wasbiru, be patient. Be tolerant. Do not be rigid. If you are going to be tolerant, what will we receive? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant his ma'iyah. He, his divine power and presence will be with you. You'll have the ma'iyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you are tolerating differences of opinion. So this is something that we see all the time that is leading to fights. Is the ego. No one is willing to give up their own understanding. Their own version. And look at it from the other side. Another passage that I will quickly move on to. I'm just giving the few highlights and I'll conclude as it's quite late. It's been a working day, Friday. We have a big day tomorrow, inshallah. Is let us move on to Surah Al-Hujrat. Surah Al-Fal, we move forward to Surah Al-Hujrat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Hujrat, وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا Now, if there are groups of believers that they end up, start, uh, they start fighting with one another. They start arguing, the arguing leads to fighting. The true Muslim is which one? المسلم ومن سليم المسلمون من لسانه ويديه The true Muslim is the one that others are safe from his tongue in his hand. He doesn't verbally abuse anyone, doesn't physically abuse anyone. And سباب المسلم فسوق وقتاله كفر Cursing someone is a major sin, killing them, na'udhu billah, is an act of kufr. Now these people are fighting, verbally abusing each other, or physically fighting. When two Muslims, they start attacking each other with their swords, the killer and the killed, both are in the fire. Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, the one who killed, it's very obvious, he killed the person. The one who kills a single human being as, as if he has committed a crime against all of humanity. So he goes in the fire. What about the one who was killed? So Nabi said, look, he didn't come out with a garland of flowers. He came out with his sword as well. He intended to kill. And he started the action of fighting. And he engaged in it. It just so happened he wasn't able to complete his mission. So he ended up... He wasn't... He wasn't like Habil... Where Habil told Qabil, if you want to kill me, he said, I'm going to kill you. He said, if you stretch forth your hand to kill me, I'm not going to be part of this crime. I'm not going to try to kill you back. So Qabil killed Habil and and he has a, a portion of the sin of every murder till the day of judgment. Rasulullah mentioned in the hadith. So, if the believers they start fighting with one another, Allah Ta'ala says, It is your responsibility to reconcile between them. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is good. And If we intend sulah, if we actually have sincere intention to reconcile, then it's impossible that reconciliation cannot happen. It will definitely happen. 
We see this, for example, again in the husband and wife scenario. The reason I'm talking about husband and wife, parents and kids, business partners at this level is because each one of you is a shepherd and will be asked about his flock. The king, he is responsible for this whole kingdom. And he will be asked regarding the entire kingdom. The father, head of the household, he is responsible for his household. He will be asked about them. And the wife is responsible for the wealth and the children of the husband and the family. She will be asked regarding that. Every single person is responsible based on his level. So, if this was, for example, a gathering of leaders of Muslim countries who have authority, they have jurisdiction over the armies of their countries, the military, the budget. So, we would have to talk at that level. That what are you doing as Muslim leaders? creating unity you know, globally. We're, we're not at that macro level. Not, I mean, some maybe in future, not yet. Right. So the thing is, we are responsible. We have to continue. It doesn't mean we don't care about globally what's happening. We make dua globally for all the oppression that's taking place, the disunity that's taking place. But the problem with the ummah is that we just like to sit back in our parties and complain about, you know, so-and-so country is doing this, so-and-so country is doing that, civil war here, aggression there and you know these leaders don't have it right and they're just you know uh, milking the system and they're all cheaters and they're and they're doing this and that they're all, we, we, we mentioned the crimes of all these leaders and majority of them illa mashallah are criminals I'm not denying that but the thing is they're going to be asked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they, Allah ta'ala is going to question on the day of judgment based on how much authority and power Allah Ta'ala gave them. And they have a huge reckoning. May Allah make it easy for them and for us. Guide them and guide us. Forgive them and forgive us. But the thing is, Allah Ta'ala says, these kings, people of the past, present, anyone for that matter, they will face what they earn and you will face what you earn. You will not be asked regarding what they did. You will be asked, did, did you make dua? Did you raise your voice against injustice? And did you establish justice in whatever jurisdiction Allah had given you? Under your roof? And whatever authority Allah had given you? Did you establish the deen there? Did you try to bring unity and, and hold on firmly to the rope of Allah, the book of Allah, within the capacity Allah has granted you? So let us focus on ourselves. So I was saying, if the husband and wife, they want reconciliation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, this is the shart, this is the condition. If the husband and wife both want reconciliation. Yurida is a key word, meaning it's a dual verb. If one, if the husband, he really wants to reconcile, but the wife has other ideas. Or the wife really wants to make it work for the sake of the children and family, whatever her reasons may be, the guy is not interested. It's not going to work. Well, it could work. There's no promise. The promise from Allah, which is definite promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in which there is la fi, no doubt, is If the husband and wife both sincerely want to make it work, then guess what? It's impossible that it won't work out. We can say with 100% conviction, it will work out. How so? Allah said, 
Allah will grant his tawfiq and guidance and will make it happen, reconcile them so that they will have a blissful marriage. They'll be united. Subhanallah. If the condition is not there, the promise is not there. So if there is no genuine intention to make it work, there is no promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Either one party doesn't have the intention or both don't have the intention. Then it's doubly going to fail, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if the people start fighting and arguing, your job is that you need to work hard to reconcile. So we live in such a day and age where people are like, live and let live. Whatever. You know, don't worry about anyone, don't worry about anything. Just do your own thing. No, it is our responsibility that if we see families breaking up, if we see things, if we see disunity ha happening, then we should take an active interest in trying to mend affairs of the ummah and try to create muhabbah. Lying, for example, is such a uh, hated sin. The curse of Allah descends upon those who lie. And Lying leads towards sin and sin leads towards the fire. A person continues to lie until in the book of Allah he's written as a kathab, as a great liar. And once he's a great liar, his name is written on the door of Jahannam, he must enter it. So lying is such a major sin. But sulah and reconciliation is so desirable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Slightly exaggerating things. I don't want to even stand here and say lying is okay to reconcile. But with the intention. You know, normally if you want to use the terms white lies and black lies, all lies are, are haram. Um, but if we slightly bend the truth, which is something, as I said, you would never condone from the pulpit. With the intention of reconciliation, Subhanallah, it is permissible. That's how important reconciliation is to create unity. This is referring to <coughs> again rulers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them armies, has given them authority in the land. They have to they can go out against rebels and subjugate them, those who are rebelling against the central authority. Having unity is such a desired objective in the deen that in a true Islamic khilafa, even if the khalifa is not the most God-fearing, righteous person, you know, when he says, okay, let's, let's do the um, ceremony of putting the foundation stone of the, of the masjid, the, some of the kings of the past, who hasn't, Mrs. Tajid for 40 years. No one is there. So the king says, oh, I, didn't, I was going to hide my secret. And then he goes and puts the foundation stone. You know, we have stories of different pious kings of the past. Not, of course, majority of kings were not so pious. Does it mean that we disrupt the unity and start rebelling against the king? The Amir Mu'minin, there is no Amir Mu'minin right now. Let me be clear, right? I'm talking about at a theoretical level. If there was some Amir Mu'minin. So just because... He is not the most righteous person. They may be far more um, 
deserving candidates in the ummah from the taqwa perspective, ilm perspective, knowledge, and have hikbah and wisdom and all the necessary attributes of leadership. But there's something that's more uh, higher on the list of, of priorities and that is to maintain the unity. If you're going to start a rebellion, a civil war, how many innocent lives will be lost? So that is why ita'ah and obedience of the Amir al-Mu'mineen is such an important part of our deen. Like Abdullah ibn Umar anhuma, he prayed salah behind you know, the likes of Hajjaj ibn Yusuf, al-Saqafi. He, he didn't rebel against the Banu Umayyah. Those who did, that was their ijtihad. We're not blaming them as well. So there are commands for the Amir al-Mu'mineen. That's what Allah Ta'ala is saying here. That the rebellion should be squashed because maintaining the unity in the ummah is of paramount importance. We spoke about fiqhi differences as well. One of the qaida fiqhiyah is one of the principles in fiqh, maxims, usul, principle, is qada'u al-qadi yarfa'u al-khilaf. If there's an amir al-mu'mineen, and the amir al-mu'mineen, he appoints a qadi, the judge, the qadi al-qadat for the entire Islamic khilafah. You may be a great muhaqqiq, mudaqqiq, scholar, par excellence, like there's no scholar like you ever in the world. Whatever opinion you have, you're entitled to have your own personal opinion. But if the Amir al-Mu'mineen appointed a Qadi and that Qadi passed a verdict, then to maintain the harmony and unity within the Ummah, Qadao al-Qadi, the decision of the judge appointed by the Amir al-Mu'mineen, Yarfa al-Khilaf, is the end of the debate. There's no further debate on the matter. SubhanAllah. So maintaining the cohesion and the unity is so important. And that's something that we are lacking in America. Like one of the biggest battles, for example, that happens uh, yearly is the moon wars coming to a masjid near you. Right? So the reason we have these moon wars, the halal and the hilal, these battles, is because lack of a central authority. So whether there are people following calculation, whether there are people following Saudi sighting, whether there are people following local sighting, then within local sighting, there's so many different versions of local sighting. Continental United States, 48 states, or Canada, Mexico, Extend the matla to South America. Where do you accept the siding from? We don't accept California is too far in the West. Different Hilal committees. So there's, there's a New York Hilal committee, Central Hilal committee, Chicago Hilal committee, Toronto Hilal committee. So many different. These Hilal committees apparently are following, not apparently, haqiqatan. They are following ru'yat. But so shouldn't all have be, you know, uh, come up with the same judgment at the same time? So what's the problem? The problem is again, Lack of central authority. So unity is something that we actively have to make the decision, oh, we want to be united. And we have to take steps to be united. We have to have the will, the desire, and we have to, our leaders all, and uh, have to, subhanAllah, make this an agenda item, a priority, and take steps to achieve it. Otherwise, it will never happen. Whereas in the past, when you had the Darul Islam and the Khilaf Islamiyah, then the unity was there by default. So, it's a, it's a, so the problem here is that all of these people who have the different opinions, everyone is trying to follow Quran and Sunnah. But we don't have a central authority. So, like for example, in the Catholic faith, a person, he doesn't agree with the Pope, that's totally fine. But guess what? He just, leaves, he just becomes an apostate from the Catholic faith. Murtad from the Batal religion. SubhanAllah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, we, subhanAllah, when I was in 
I was taking some community college courses and the one who was teaching, this is like in 1997, before I went to South Africa. So the, the most unqualified person perhaps to teach a world religions course was a apostate Murtad Catholic priest. So he, he used to be a priest and then he abandoned the Catholic faith. And he's teaching world religions. Darkness upon darkness. If he takes out his hand, he cannot see it. Allah Ta'ala says. Like you, you can't see your own hand. The one Allah doesn't create nur for him, there is no nur for him. So, you know, if you want to be Catholic, you got to follow what the Pope says. If you, you disagree with the Pope, fine, go ahead, disagree. But guess what? You're not Catholic anymore. You're ex-Catholic. You can become Protestant, or you can become something else. Or you can become agnostic, atheist, your choice. Right? It's a free country. But you can't be a Catholic. So this is having a central authority. So we, don't, we, we are lacking that. Right? That's why you know, everyone is pushing their own agenda. So, this is, so when we have these fights, this is just a symptom of a bigger disease. The bigger disease is we, we, we don't have a central authority. Why I was mentioning this about the central authority and the hakim is because of this ayah here. I'm, I'm going to have to skip over that because this is addressing the hakim. Because we are not going to say, pick up weapons and start attacking the rebels. This is what the ayah says, by the way. Start fighting against the aggressors. So for the record, there is no vigilante justice in Islam. You can't you can become the judge, jury, executioner by yourself. And start implementing Sharia law. Right? <laughs> Can I do that? This is, not some, this is not an interfaith gathering or to appease someone else or just to be politically correct. This is Islamically correct. You can't do that. That's what the deen teaches us. So this is, a, in a proper context, if there is an Amir Mu'mineen, there is a Khilafah Islamiyah, then Allah is saying, the Amir Mu'mineen has the right to even have an armed response against those who are creating corruption and creating mutiny and rebellion. Because maintaining unity is so important. Subhanallah. Maintaining unity is so important that the biggest crime possible, what's the biggest crime? The biggest sin under the earth, under the sky, on the earth, is shirk. In the shirka, the dhulman azim is the greatest form of injustice, greatest oppression. In Allah, la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never forgive shirk. Wa yaghfiru ma'duna dhalika liman yasha. Besides shirk, Allah may choose to forgive whichever sin he wants. So shirk is the ultimate biggest crime. So when Musa salam went to Mount Tur and he came back, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that look what happened to your people that you left behind. And he came back and he was so upset. He was so upset that how come they started worshipping the calf, the golden calf, that Samiri. It's a long story in Surah Taha that he, he got them worshipping the, the golden calf. So who was appointed as his khalifa, as his representative, as the next in charge, his substitute Amir, Imam, was Harun alayhi salam, his brother. So he goes and he grabs the beard and the hair of the head of his brother and starts shaking him. <laughs> and he was so upset. So Harun alayhi salam, he tells, um, he responds to Musa alayhi salam, and he says, he could have just said, Ya, ya Akhi, oh my brother. But he took the wasila and he wanted to soften the heart of the brother who's so mad by taking the name of the mother. 
because as a son, he has a soft spot for his mother. So he said, Yabna Um, oh, the son of my mother. The son of the mother is who? The brother. He said, Yabna Umma, oh, my, oh, the son of my mother. Because if you love your mother, then guess what? I'm her son too, right? So this is Tawassul right there. He said, Yabna Umma, oh, the son of my mother. Who's your mother? We're, we're both sons of the same mother. Don't grab my beard. Leave my hair. Stop. You're pulling on it. I let this shirk happen temporarily, by the way. He's not like shirk is okay. We already covered that. Qadianism is not okay. Shiism is not okay. Right? But he said, I temporarily tolerated the shirk for a while. Because I knew you're coming back, and when you come back, you can deal with it. As you are the Kalimullah, Kalamullah, Musa Taklima, you speak to Allah Ta'ala, and you can handle it. Because I didn't want to divide up the Ummah. Subhanallah. I didn't want to divide up the Ummah. That's why the scholars, when they speak about wujub of Nahi Anil Munkar, why it's wajib to speak out against Munkar, there are 12 sharai conditions for that when it's wajib, you must speak out. So one of them already covered that it has to be an actual munkar. It can't be something there is a difference of opinion about. Like, hey, how come you didn't say amin loudly, say it softly? Or how come you didn't spread your legs like this? Or how come you didn't raise your hands in salah? Or all of these fiqhi differences of opinion people fight about. And one of the other shart and conditions for why, when it is wajib, you must speak out against wrong, is if you know for a fact that this will not create a huge fitna in the ummah. If, if it's going to create a huge fitra, then you don't speak out about it right away. You still regard the evil in your heart and you work on changing the condition slowly with hikmah and wisdom. You don't have to go out and uh, make such a big noise about it that it ends up dividing up the ummah. You have to approach it with wisdom. Sometimes you don't approach it head on, you approach it uh, uh, later in a more appropriate manner. So this is what Harun alayhi salam, subhanallah, he said. He tolerated shirk for a while. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the, to the Amir that you can have armed response against these people who are creating rebellion within the ummah. If they come back, if they repent, then Still be just with them. This is what happened in the Khawarij. These were rebels against Ali radiallahu anhu. You know, they, they took the eye of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ati'u Allah wa ati'u Rasul. Obey Allah and the Rasul. And they said, you know, Inul hukmu illa lillah. Only all authority rests with Allah. So get rid of Ali radiallahu anhu, na'udhu billah, and Mu'abi radiallahu anhu, and Amr bin al-As radiallahu anhu. They hashed a plan to simultaneously assassinate all three of them after Fajr on the same day. And three murderers were dispatched. And they thought this is the biggest good deed they are doing. Na'udhu billahi min zalik. And Abdurrahman ibn Muljim, such a beautiful name. This is the murderer, the qatil, who attacked Ali radiallahu anhu and killed him. So Ali radiallahu anhu fought against these rebels. Because they were uh, violating the sanctity of the Amir Mu'mineen and creating dissension in the Ummah. But if they come back, then be just with them. Don't continue to harbor uh, you know, hatred against them. 
and be just. Because at the end of the day, Allah says in the next ayah, the believers are brothers. Reconcile amongst your brothers. Do not harbor hatred, adawa. And what are those means that will create disunity? Allah Ta'ala speaks about them. It starts with simple things. Don't mock one another. The people you're mocking, they may be better than you in the eyes of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. As Imam Ghazali mentioned, we heard, the younger one has less sins than us, the older one has more good deeds than us. Women should not mock women, men should not mock men. The scholars say the reason they're mentioned separately is because in social settings they don't mix. In an Islamic mu'ashara, there's no possibility why would a man be mocking women to begin with? Because they don't mix. Nor would the women be mocking men, nor would the men be mocking women. That's why Allah Ta'ala says, Men should not mock men. And nor should women mock women. Because men mingle with men and women mingle with women. In an Islamic society. Don't call each other bad names. Don't mock one another. Don't ridicule one another. And this is a major sin in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And avoid having suspicious uh, thoughts. Have good thoughts about people. Having these negative thoughts is a sin in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the regression. It's not progression, but rather regression. First, a person has a negative thought. He's like, oh, this guy must be up to this. Then he wants to prove it. He wants to prove himself to be right. So how does he prove himself? He starts spying on the individual. And once he spies on the individual, sooner or later he'll find something wrong because all of us are sinners. All son of Adam and daughters of Hawa are sinners. By default, Rasulullah said so. And the best of the sinners are those who repent from their sin. It's a very uniquely worded hadith. You know, you'll say the best students, or the best uh, musalli, or the best righteous person, or the best, you know, normally it's a positive thing. But here is khayrul khata'een, the best of the sinners. Because first of all, he, he said every son of Adam and every human being is a sinner. And the best of the sinners are those who repent from their sins. So you'll find some sin. And then that's the second prohibition. And then the third is, after you find the sin, then you don't keep it yourself. Okay, fine. You know, I had the internal conflict, whether I was right or wrong. Now I'm proving right. Yes, the guy is up to this wrong. He's doing this sin. Now I'm happy to know that. Is that the end of the story? No, it is not. What happens? Then you start broadcasting it. You start sharing that. What is that called? Of course, that's riba, backbiting. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions these three prohibitions. Number one, He says, Don't have suspicious thoughts to begin with. Then He says, Don't spy. The spying is what? To prove the suspicion is right. And if you find something wrong, Don't start backbiting one another. Do you wish to eat the flesh of your dead brother? How despicable that would be to eat the carrion dead meat of a, of a human being. You would dislike it. Worse indeed is backbiting. The sin of backbiting. Then Allah Ta'ala concludes the passage that I will be sharing. Is, this male and female that we have. And these nations and tribes and clans that are there. 
The purpose of this is not that one is better than the other. Inherently, men are not better than women, or women better than men, or black is better than white, or white is better than black. No superiority for Arab over Ajam. Ajam being non-Arab over Arab, Arab over non-Arab. White over black, black over white. No inherent superiority except for those based on taqwa. So Allah Ta'ala says, the reason we have created different tribes and clans, so you can recognize one another, know one another, be identified. In akramakum Allah, verily the noblest amongst you in the eyes of Allah Ta'ala, atqaqum are those who have taqwa. So all of the disunity is based on you know tribalism, our color, my color, my language, my country, nationalism. Like Hajj, for example, is the purpose of Hajj is that everyone comes in the same ihram, right? And we break down all of these barriers. But unfortunately, the way it's set up is that everything is divided by, again, nationalism, by the passports, by the... This is how Mina, where everyone... I mean, I'm not blaming anyone here, but I'm just saying that there has to be some order, so perhaps that uh, would make sense for those who are organizing the Hajj. May Allah accept them and guide them. And forgive their mistakes and our mistakes. Allahu Akbar. And protect us from fitan that are coming in the holy lands and throughout the world. The purpose of all these nationalities is so that you recognize one another. Not that you feel that you're better than any other person. So this is the whole passage that Allah Ta'ala speaks about in Surah Al-Hujurat with regards to creating unity. So, the last take-home lesson to reiterate for all of us uh, is that unity is necessary for our success as an ummah. We have to globally have that concern, make dua, speak out against injustice in any form. But at the same time, you know, there are those who just give up on unity in the world, world peace. They say that, you know, that's so naive to even think about that ever happening. And their hearts become desynthesized by overexposure to violence. They could care less. They have, you know, dead hearts. So that is not acceptable. We should have that pain. But that pain has to be in moderation. I also have to mention. Because we have such gentle young souls, young children. When they see all of this is happening, it's not hidden from them. Then they become so overwhelmed, they're not able to process it. And they say, like, look at all this injustice happening. All the minorities throughout the world that are suffering today. I don't have to take any names. Because if you start taking names, you'll take a few names and you'll miss other names. And there's no agenda that I prefer, that I'm, you know, I'm more concerned about some loss. I'm not concerned about the other loss. That's why if you say, Allahumma, you know, help from the east to the west. All the Muslims throughout the world that, that are being under oppression. So what happens is that their hearts... You know, they become despondent in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, how can this happen? So a consolation for them, primarily a consolation for those themselves who are the victims of aggression and for those who are being affected by seeing the dhulm is that they can realize that subhanAllah, there's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's watching and he is the Malik Yawmuddin, the master of the day of judgment and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will avenge those who are wronged. Whoever is undergoing any dhulm in the Muslim today, they'll receive so much reward for their sabr on the day of Qiyamah that they will wish that they would be sent back in the world and more of them could be done upon them when they see how great the reward is for being patient. 
This will be a means of forgiving all their sins and elevating their status further in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So hold on firmly to that hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, inshaAllah, grant them amazing ajr in the akhirah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish the aggressors. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will establish justice on that day. And this is a test of Allah ta'ala in this world. And the result is coming very soon, very near inshaAllah. Allah says, you think it's far away? I'm telling you, it's very, very near. The time for reckoning is drawing very near. So this is with respect to globally having peace and unity. And with respect to us, that we are responsible is within our families, within our extended families, within our communities, within our masjid. How can we achieve unity? Is that we all have to submit to the will of Allah. Give up our own agendas, our own ideas, our own what our nafs amara bisu is heading and leading us towards disobedience of Allah. And if we submit to Allah, inshaAllah, there will be unity. Just like there was among the Sahaba, Ridwanullah Ta'ala, alayhim ajma'in. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to bring this into practice and create unity such unity that will inshallah foster a positive community for our next generation to grow up in and to may Allah ta'ala grant our leaders, our elders of the community, the foresight, the wisdom, the hilm, the sabr, forbearance uh, to inshallah overcome their personal egos and leave their personal differences aside, look at the greater objective, sacrifice one's own shahwat, desires and MashaAllah creates such a platform where we can all be united. This is something that we all are dreaming for. This is something we all are wishing for. This is all that we have to make dua for and see guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the same time, ensure we are implementing in whatever level of jurisdiction Allah has given us. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. Wa akhir da'wan alhamdulillah We conclude with uh, some dhikr and dua when Mufti uh, al will be conducting. And let us inshaAllah participate in this final dhikr before the end of the gathering. And then inshallah we'll see everyone tomorrow. Fajr. We have the team Fajr program. The rest of the Sira program is continuing from Dohar. Zakumullah khair. Inshallah, if we can come close together, brothers outside also can make your way inside. Uh, the khidma students also can participate in the final dhikr and dua. The students in the khidma, wherever you are, inshallah, come, you can please participate. Come in the masjid. So this is Nabi uh, He mentioned Whenever you pass by the gardens of paradise Then try uh, your level best To graze from there as much as you can So the companion said Ya Rasulullah What do you mean by the uh, gathering, Gardens of Jannah And he responded by saying 
this is the gatherings of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu in another hadith mentioned that hold on to the uh, gatherings of the people of dhikr. Those people who do dhikr, attend their gatherings, stay with them because dhikr is the soul, is the food for our soul. So the more time we spend in gatherings where Allah's name is taken, we will become spiritually stronger and then we will be able to implement the sunnah of Rasulullah in our life. We'll be able to distinguish between right and wrong. We will be able to get the willpower to do what we already know what we're supposed to do. That willpower, inshallah, will come through the remembrance of Allah. The more remembrance of Allah we do, the, the stronger we will become. And the benefit of doing it in gatherings like this, as has been mentioned in so many various narrations about the virtues of gatherings of dhikr. Uh, that they're surrounded by angels, that the sakina descends, Allah's mercy descends, Allah forgives every single person who's sitting there, even who didn't come with necessarily the most sincere intention. Uh, he's also forgiven because of the blessing of this gathering. Uh, so we should look forward to gatherings of this sort. And we should take this dhikr that we do here collectively and do it at home individually with our families as well and our, on our own on a regular basis, inshallah, tabarak wa ta'ala. So the various forms of dhikr, one is inshallah we'll be doing uh, uh, la ilaha illallah. Uh, and when we do la ilaha illallah, we should focus on the takhliya, that we are removing all the ideas, thoughts, beliefs, besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from our heart. And illallah, we are bringing in only the love and mahabba of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into heart. We're removing everything besides Allah from our heart. And allowing only the mahabba and love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enter heart. So this is the cleansing part. Empty out the heart. Squeeze out from the heart all the blackness. And illallah, we bring in the nur of iman, the nur of the kalima. And then number two, with Allah, Allah take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name. And take it with mahabba and love. And focus on the mahabba of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being stamped into our hearts. Third, we will send salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ. SubhanAllah, this is one of the best things we could be doing tonight. Uh, is every single time we're spending, sending salutations, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending salutations upon us. And Allah is rewarding us with 10 levels in Jannah. And 10 sins being forgiven. And 10 blessings. And we will, this will become the means of being, uh, gaining the closeness uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so... That's the third thing. And lastly, is the seeking the forgiveness from Allah Jalla Jalaluhu. Ask forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with um, remorse. Number one, nadama. We feel remorseful about what happens. And then we leave it immediately, whatever sin we're involved in. With third, we make a firm intention not to go back to what we're doing. And then lastly, we, we, if it has to do with the rights of others, we try our best, to, we try fully to pay back those that we have usurped from them something or ask forgiveness from those we have uh, uh, done something to harm them. And so this is, uh, and so some ulama explained that come up with the ex very important exit strategy as well. Any sin that we're seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, we should make niyya of Ya Allah. Now I've done, I've, I've want to start a fresh life, but specifically with this sin, this is how I'm going to curb it. This is how I'm going to come up with an alternative solution so that I don't fall into it after having sought forgiveness from you for it. Those of us who are listening at home, we can also try our best to face the Qibla and maybe uh, concentrate, you find a quiet place to do the dhikr. 
you can if you are in a, a lit, you know well lit area maybe you can just shut you know, it, uh, switch off the lights a little bit and uh, close your eyes and focus try to find a quiet place in your home to do uh, to join the vicar and if ideally to be in a state of wudu and facing qibla but if you're not able to do so then that's that is uh, fine as well <clears throat> but just try our best to put our uh, attention and focus onto the words and to the meanings and imagine the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entering our hearts as we recite the adhkar please do say it in an audible tone so at least you should be able to hear it yourself and it will keep us energized and focused la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم 
ിയാസ്ലാം ഹൈ <laughs> 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام ونك السلام وتبارك في الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهما لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعزه التي لا ترام اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد صلاه تنجينا بها من جميع الاحوال والافات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك اعلى الدرجات وتبلغنا بها اقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياه وبعد الممات إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم لك الحمد حمدا دائما مع دوامك ولك الحمد حمدا خالدا مع خلودك ولك الحمد حمدا حتى ترضى ولك الحمد حمدا إذا رضيت سبحان الله وبحمده عدد خلقه ورضاء نفسه وزنة عرشه ومداد كلماته اللهم لك الحمد كما نقول اللهم لك الحمد خيرا مما نقول اللهم لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك وعظيم سلطانك اللهم ربنا لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم إن نعوذ بزوال نعمتك اللهم إنا نعوذ ب اللهم إنا نعوذ بك منك اللهم إنا نعوذ بك منك اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك اللهم إنا نعوذ ب بمعافاتك من عقوبتك ونعوذ بعفوك من عقابك ونعوذ بك منك لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا المتقين إماما ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا المتقين إماما ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على قوم الكافرين وانصرنا على قوم المجرمين وانصرنا على قوم الظالمين اللهم ربنا لا تجعلنا فتنة للقوم الظالمين ونجينا برحمة قوم الكافرين ربنا آتنا من لدنك رحمة ربنا آتنا من لدنك رحمة ربنا آتنا من لدنك رحمة وهيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا وهيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا وهيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم إنك عفو تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم اغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عند من عملنا اللهم ارحمنا بترك المعاصي أبدا ما أبقيتنا اللهم ارحمنا بترك المعاصي أبدا ما أبقيتنا اللهم إنا نسألك عفوك اللهم إنا نسألك رضاك والجنة وما قرب إليها من قور أو عمل ونعوذ بك من صختك والنار وما قرب إليها من قور أو عمل اللهم اهدنا واهد بنا واجعلنا سببا وسبيلا لمن اهتدى ولا تجعلنا سببا لمن ضل وغوى اللهم ارحم امه محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم تجاوز عن امه محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر لامه محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما تقدم من ذنبها وما تاخر وما اسر وما اعلنت اللهم وحد صفوف المسلمين اللهم وحد صفوف المسلمين اللهم وحد صفوف المسلمين اللهم اجمع كلمتهم على الحق المبين اللهم ايدهم اللهم انصرهم اللهم انصر اللهم انصرنا وانصر ضعفاء المسلمين على اعدائك اعداء الاسلام والمسلمين اللهم انا نجعلك في نحورهم ونعوذك من شرورهم اللهم انا نجعلك في نحورهم ونعوذك من شرورهم اللهم انا نجعلك في نحورهم ونعوذ بك من شرورهم اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وانثانا اللهم من حييت منا فاحيا على الاسلام ومن توفيت منا فتوفاه على الايمان والله we ask you يا الله in this beautiful blessed gathering of dhikr of dua of salawat oh allah we're far and people have come from far and wide from across the country oh allah young brothers are here elders are here oh allah sick people are here 
uh, Ya Allah, innocent children are here. Oh Allah, oh Allah, people with with elderly women are here. Oh Allah, men with old white, elderly men with white beards are here. Ya Allah, who spend their entire life in ibadah. All the innocent children are present. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, through the presence of all of these righteous people, grant all of us forgiveness. Oh Allah, grant all of us forgiveness. Oh Allah, make this gathering, Allah, a gathering which is most definitely surrounded by millions and millions of angels. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, allow us all to benefit from this company of the angels. Oh Allah, allow us to enjoy the mercy and the rahmah that is tranquility that you send upon your cho- choicest and the best of your servants. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us the qualities of the angels. Grant us angelic qualities. Oh Allah, for the time that we have spent listening to the, these talks in the dhikr, in the, in the praises of the Prophet wasallam. Oh Allah, we ask you this duration of these past few hours. Oh Allah, allow it to become the means of us creating within ourselves or embodying within ourselves angelic qualities. And Ya Allah, one by one, getting removing from within ourselves, Ya Allah, Oh Allah, animalistic qualities and characteristics. Oh Allah, the lowly characteristics, Oh Allah. Oh Allah, purify our minds, purify our hearts, purify our entire body from all sorts of evil, from all sorts of dhulm, Oh Allah, from all sorts of dhulma, from all sorts of darkness. Oh Allah, we ask Ya Allah, purify our hearts and eyes and ears and every, every portion of our body from any evil remnants and effects of sin, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us all healthy souls. Grant us healthy bodies. Grant us healthy minds. Oh Allah, we ask you to, Ya Allah, cure our sick hearts. Cure our sick hearts. Cure our disease prone hearts and, and, and bodies and minds. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us complete shifa from all sorts of emotional, spiritual, mental illnesses, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, grant shifa to our loved ones, our children, our sons and daughters, our siblings, our parents, all our spouses. Oh Allah, all of those parents who are here, who are listening. Oh Allah, oh Allah, who are worried about their children. Oh Allah, all those, Ya Allah, brothers and sisters who are worried about their siblings. Oh Allah, all those who are worried about their spouses, all those who are worried about their parents. Oh Allah, so much worry and concern about the deen of one another. We ask you, Allah, to accept this concern and worry we have. And Allah, we ask you to remove the source of worry, the reason for our worry in our lives. O Allah, grant hidayah to our spouses and our children and our parents and our siblings. O Allah, we ask you to grant us hidayah and them hidayah. Ya Allah, allow us to take back tonight beautiful gems from the lectures that were shared and allow us to embody that within our lives and allow us to become a means of guidance for entire families. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, we live in such a turbulent, difficult time. All of the people are willing to pay hundreds of dollars Ya Allah, to come to a gathering of music, to come to a gathering of, of haram, to come to a gathering of alcohol, to come to a gathering in which is nothing but demonic, which is satanic. Oh Allah, oh Allah, hundreds of thousands of, of people come uninvited to such gatherings, even in the Muslim lands. Oh Allah, here we are, huddled together, Ya Allah, small group of brothers and sisters online and on site. Oh Allah, we've gathered here, Ya Allah, out of your love and out of the love for the Prophet Wasallam. Oh Allah, our numbers do not compare to the numbers of people gathering for the wrong reasons. Oh Allah, but we expect your mercy to be with us. We expect, Ya Allah, that you will compensate for the weakness of our numbers with, with the greatness of the numbers of the angels. Oh Allah, we ask you that you make us from amongst those, Ta'ifa Mansura, that assisted community and that assisted section of the Ummah that will never go down, that will never lose, that will never be forsaken, that will never be harmed, no matter how few their numbers may be. They will always remain firm on the stead and steadfast on the right path. Oh Allah, make all of us and our families and our loved ones from amongst those. Oh Allah, who do not strive to simply be part of the majority, but rather do what's right. Oh Allah, make us amongst those whose loyalty is what, with, with, which is right, and whose loyalty is with what principles... Uh, ask us to do. Oh Allah, the principles of Islam, the principles of Sunnah. Oh Allah, make every one of us people of principle. Oh Allah, make us all people of principle. Make us people of Sunnah. Make us people of Ya Allah who are ready to take a stand on any issue of the deen and will remain on that stand no matter what happens, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow us to value the deen 
more than anything else in this world. Allah to value every single small or large sunnah of Rasulullah more than anything else in this world. O oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to strengthen us, strengthen us, strengthen us internally and externally. O oh Allah, unite our hearts, unite our minds, unite our thought process together. O oh Allah, all of those throughout the globe who are serving your deen, who are serving the sunnah of Rasulullah, O oh Allah, unite them. O oh Allah, unite them. O oh Allah, batil is super united. O oh Allah, working against the believers and working against haq. O oh Allah, you enable the people of the haq to be united as well. Allah, the people of the haq and the people of the truth to be able to, Ya Allah, be united. Allow us to put away our petty differences. Oh Allah, allow us to, Ya Allah, look at the big picture. Oh Allah, save us from looking at the faults of one another. Allow us to look at the goodness of one another and allow us to focus on the faults that we have in our own selves. Oh Allah, allow us to spend our lives rectifying our faults. Oh Allah, allow us to learn from the goodness of others and allow us to rectify our own evil, evil mistakes and sins, Ya Allah, and diseases that we suffer from. Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, that we've come to you with lots of problems, lots of issues. Oh Allah, everyone, here has got a huge long large long laundry list of worries of his parents of her parents of his or her spouse of his or her children ya allah you know what's written in on that paper and you know what's going through our mind oh allah that list is long but you are well aware of the of the of what is going through the minds of every one of us ya allah oh allah oh allah we ask you allah to remove all the sources of worry and concern from the minds and the hearts of all of us ya allah oh allah fulfill all of our permissible desires and needs oh allah fulfill all of our permissible desires and needs Oh Allah, make it easy for us to remain steadfast in the deen. Make it easy for our children to remain steadfast in the deen. Oh Allah, make us proud Muslims. Make us people who are not shy from, from representing Islam. Not shy from wearing Islam. Not shy, Ya Allah, from, from practicing our deen wherever we may be. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, we ask Ya Allah to allow, allow the followers and the lovers of Rasulullah to spread in strength and in numbers across the globe. Allow us to present the sunnah of Rasulullah in such a beautiful manner that Muslims and non-Muslims together become attracted towards this beautiful lifestyle of this most amazing individual. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant all of us true love of him grant us the ability and the desire to read his seerah oh Allah make it easy for us to read his seerah every day allow us to recite the Quran every day and allow us to read a portion of his seerah every day ya Allah allow us to have the eyes of basira and farsightedness to reflect on the verses of the Quran and to reflect on the stories and the lives and, and the stories and the lessons and take lessons from the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu oh Allah allow us to make Quran and sunnah applicable in our lives. Allow us to make it, Ya Allah, very applicable and very realistic in today's world. Oh Allah, we ask you, allow us to present Islam and the Sunnah of Rasulullah to our youngsters, our teenagers, our college students in a manner, in a beautiful manner that they fall in love with it, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, all those who are, whose children are away from the deen, please bring them back, Ya Allah. 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 Oh Allah, those whose children have run away, those who have left Islam, oh Allah, those who are complaining leaving Islam, those who are suffering depression, all of those who have locked themselves up in their rooms, all of those who are going through any and all types of emotional, spiritual, mental, physical illnesses, Ya Allah, you grant them shifa, grant them strength, bring them back to the deen, bring them back to good health, O oh Allah, grant them back to khair and afiyah, O oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to accept the efforts of all the volunteers and all the students and all the staff members and all the musallis and all the well-wishers from across the globe, O oh Allah, and all our supporters, donors, patrons, well-wishers, O oh Allah, we ask you to reward them in full for the barakat of this gathering, O oh Allah, the goal of seven million that we had kept allow us to ya Allah break this record immensely by tomorrow evening oh Allah allow this entire crowd who's listening allow them all to get motivated to do thousands of salawat between now and tomorrow evening and allow them to get their families together allow us to be like that young sister young high school girl who I was told was with her and her family in this past week did 1.1 million salawat oh Allah grant us grant her increase in her love for, for you and grant increase her in her love for Rasulullah and grant us also that level of perseverance that love 
that desire to outdo ourselves, to outdo anyone and everyone in our love for Rasulullah Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us spiritual strength to outdo anything we've done ever before. Oh Allah, we ask you Allah in this gathering, allow our du'as to be seen accepted in front of us. Oh Allah, allow us to see and sense and feel the du'as being accepted, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to remove all the blackness and the darkness from our heart and allow the nur of ma'rifah, the nur of your knowledge to transfer into our hearts, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you Ya Allah, all those who intended to come but were not able to come, accept them as well. Oh Allah, those who are listening in their homes, allow these talks to bring nur into their homes. Allow darkness to leave their homes. Allow sunnah to come into their homes. Oh Allah, all those who have come from across the country and spent hundreds and thousands of dollars to be present here. Ya Allah, they are the great sacrificers. Ya Allah, please, through their barakah, forgive all of us. Oh Allah, anyone and everyone who spent thousands to come here and hundreds to come here from out of state. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant immense barakah immediately in the risk. Whatever they've spent in your path, allow it to them to receive ten times that, O oh Allah. And allow them to gain from here so much that they are able to go and bring this light back to their own communities. And allow them to genuinely feel that every single second that they spent here was absolutely worth it, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow tomorrow's audience to be even more energized and to be even greater in all aspects. And allow us, Ya Allah, to, to bring, to present these, these two nights Tonight and tomorrow, Ya Allah, in your court and the court of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. O Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant qubuliyah to our efforts. O Allah, grant qubuliyah to our efforts, grant acceptance to our efforts. Allow us to make the most of this night and the rest of the day tomorrow and beyond that. O Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs any one of us have, Ya Allah, we ask you to fulfill those permissible desires and needs. O Allah, increase us in all that we've asked. O Allah, we don't know how to ask. O Allah, we don't know what to ask. O Allah, grant us all of that that we should have asked but we did not ask. O Allah, we seek refuge in you from all that we're supposed to seek refuge in you from. Grant us protection and refuge from all of those things. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma asifun. Wassalamun ala mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen rabbil alameen. This is just an announcement. Tomorrow, Fajr is at 6 a.m. Inshallah, there will be talk, vicar, and breakfast for everyone, for brothers and sisters. Those of you who are living in the nearby hotels, if you need a ride, please just meet at the registration table in the booth and we'll try our best to arrange something from the hotels. And then the program will continue after Dhuhr, Inshallah. The Sira books are available as well as the uh, fall gear if you are interested in taking that on your way out. Zakumullah khaira. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.